you want an intro? <laughs> you crack on, mate. All right, mate. Welcome back to episode number 23 of the Carpangler Chronicles podcast. This is a festive episode. Uh, by the time you guys listen to this, I think it will be at least Christmas Eve. Um, I think we're probably going to drop this Christmas Eve. So Merry Christmas from myself and Peter um, in this episode. We're going to basically summarize the year, talk about various different bits and bobs um, that's, that have hap- that's happened to us. Uh, we'll go over some equipment, some tackle that we're really impressed with, some other bits that we're not so impressed with. Um, we've basically got loads of different things actually planned out for this episode, which anyone that li- listens to us usually, you will know that we rarely plan anything out. But this episode we have. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, we'll also be leading into some of your questions. I believe we've got 10 questions um, that we shortlisted from people who replied to us on Instagram. Uh, actually, on that point, if you don't follow us on Instagram, go ahead and, and do follow us because we do post uh, the odd thing up on our story um, where you can just get involved with the podcast. So that might be of interest to you. As well as that, of course, we are doing our mammoth giveaway where we're giving away tons of stuff. It's probably going to be around about 100 quid's worth of stuff. All you need to do is go and leave us a review on your podcast app. Anyone that leaves us a review will be entered into that prize draw. Um, so please go ahead and do that. Takes you know 20 seconds. You're in with a chance of winning some stuff. And to be honest with you, it also really helps out the podcast. Um, so please go ahead and do that. Without further ado, let's get into this festive episode. Pete is, of course, here with me. You're feeling it, Pete? You're getting all festive? I am, mate, yeah. I do actually, I really enjoy this time of year. Um, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty ready for Christmas. I think ready to finish work pretty soon and yeah, just enjoy some time with the family. Done all your shopping? Mm, well, no, but <laughs> I say I'm ready for Christmas. Do you know what? So, um, my wife's birthday is like three days before Christmas. So I had to do a lot of focus on that first, get that out of the way. And then I'm, I'm good to go. Mm. Nice mate. Tipple of the episode. Um, yeah, same as last week, mate. Um, on, on the crabbies again, nice festive ginger beer. Lovely, lovely. I got and yourself, quite, I got quite the lineup to be honest with you. Well, I mean, first off, I had Pete knows this, obviously, the listeners, you don't know this yet, but I went out for lunch earlier, I had a few beers, so I'm like, there's, there's a real risk of me getting a bit out of hand today. Um, so I've actually got a um, a, a coffee. And it's got uh, different mushrooms in. I don't know if you're into, if you're clued in with these uh, nootropic mushrooms. Um, But basically, there's some mushrooms that are good for your cognitive function. um, And you can put them in coffees and things like that. So I've got cordyceps, chaga and lion's mane mushroom in with my coffee. Not going to lie, I've got a little shot of Bailey's in there as well, just to keep it festive. Um, But hopefully that will sharpen up my mind a little bit after the beers i've also got a hemp and hop kombucha a little bit of a health thing for you there and i've got and i'm limiting it to three real ales because the last thing i want to do is get pissed on another podcast which i always seem to do so i've got doom bar which is a cornish ale i've got a tangle foot um the legendary tangle foots traditional golden ale where is this one from 
Uh, it's Badger Brewery, which is brewed in, reading the bottle now. Can't see it. Dorset. So I've got Dorset one. And then lastly, I've got the good old Speckled Hen, which I often have on a podcast and I quite enjoy Speckled Hen. And lastly, I've got a little uh, little Baileys in our Carpangler Chronicle whiskey glasses. That's me done. Just a short list tonight, mate. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be pissing <clears throat> every five minutes, probably. <laughs> right, let's dive in. Um, first up in our highly professional scheduled schedule, what are we covering, Pete? Scripted, mate. It's totally scripted. Totally scripted. Um, we were going to go with pet peeves of 2020, I believe. Pet peeves. Mm. Uh, so obviously angling-based pet peeves. Do mm. you got any? I've had one really, um, and that for me is busy banks. So mm. with the lockdown this year, back on the banks, and it's just been heaving, um, which is not really what I'm used to. Sort of down here in Cornwall, and normally, uh, especially midweek, you can get places to yourself, but uh, not this year. And you? Excuse me, I'm just sort of choking on some mushrooms there. (coughs) I thought you were going to be talking for ages, so I was just taking my time of it. And then as you ended off, I kind of like (laughs) rammed it all in my mouth. Um, (laughs) um, I agree with you on that. Like It's been busy up here as well as that. Obviously, nowadays I'm fishing up in the big smoke of the Cotswolds. And uh, yeah, it's busier anyway up here. But yeah, I mean, I'm not... I don't like that. I just want to be away from people when I anger. I say this all the time, but as well as that, I've had a few instances where I just think the etiquette hasn't been great. And that really does pee me off. Um, Like I've woken up and there's been someone like bivvied up swim right next to me, small little swims. There's like half of the lake is free. They could be out in the way and people just like, yeah, plotting up next to me on a, on a pressured water where they're, you know, that, if there's a if there's more than a few lines in an area that they are spooking out of there i had that i've had some other things so yeah that that pees me off as well as that the lingo that some of these boys use um you know scaly banger things like that no offense to anyone if if you like talking like that talk how the hell you want it's just something that that i find a little bit irritating i guess i get i guess what the problem is is carpangolin has gotten to be very cloney like everyone is a clone of a cl- it's, it's like a real there's like a tr- the trends seem more apparent than they used to be i think there's always been trends in carp angling certainly modern carp angling um but it just seems to be a little bit more over the top now is that because you're getting older do you think mate might be what i mean when you were younger and you've really got that hunger and a thirst for it you're sort of probably sort of fitting in with those trends a little bit. And you've got that sort of, you've, I guess you've got your fishing idols when you're younger and you want to mimic them and aspire to be them. And now your sort of fishing idols are a little bit older and out of the limelight and the, the new breed of angler comes through. I think that's probably a lot of it, isn't it? Possibly. Possibly. I just find a lot of it very cringy. But I mean, the, the carp angling is so much bigger now than it was when I started carp fishing and when you started carp fishing mm. is a different animal now. And I think with that comes even stronger trends. 
Um, so yeah, that that I wouldn't say it annoys me. It's just it it just it turns me off. It's it's not something I want to be a part of. Um, you referring to the podcast as a pod, that does pee me off. I don't know why you call it a pod. It's a it's a podcast. Uh, you'll say it to me. You'll you say it to guests. It's just embarrassing, mate. Don't know if I've told you that before, have I? No, this is news to me. Yeah, it just annoys me. Yeah. Call it a podcast. It's lazy. The trouble is, mate, now you've said that, if I call it a podcast, I feel like I'm giving in to you. You should, mate. So it's always going to be a pod now. It's my podcast, isn't it? Yeah, it was my pod, mate. I <laughs> <laughs> um, think that's it. Oh, something, I tell you what. And this was actually one of the... Um, we, as I said, we put a post out on Instagram saying, like, what do you want us to cover, guys? Uh, one of one of the replies was exactly something that really annoys me as well, which is seems to be hook bait companies using old flavors and making a big fuss about it. I'm not going to call anyone out. Last thing I want to do is shit on anyone's business and livelihood. I really, really don't. So. Please don't anyone take offense to this, but you'll, you'll go on Instagram, you'll look at these hook bait, a couple of these hook bait companies, and they'll post a picture of like some old hutchy mega, splat, uh, mega spice or, you know, so uh, like a fucking ancient bottle of Scopex or something like that. Um, and it'll be like only the best. And I, it freaking pisses me off because. A, these hook baits are pretty expensive. People are paying with their good hard-earned money. These old flavors that everyone seems to be going potty for recently, they are well and truly past their best. If you think that flavor is going to be performing as well as it did 20 years ago, you are totally wrong. It will be denatured to fuck. So it's just ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And these people are supposedly, you know, intellectual bait men right that you'd presume that wouldn't you if they're making hook baits and you, you're spending your money with them um but they're just not it's absolute shit that really pisses me off don't know if you can tell yeah it's, it's a trend isn't it and i think it's worth to the guys who i think a lot of our listeners love the bait talk don't they mm. but to those guys it's always worth especially if you're buying flavors to get from a source that you know they're reasonably fresh because they do sort of oxidize don't they flavors I tell you who would be really good to chat about. And I don't know if you remember before the podcast we had with Joss with the Otter Predation. He works in the pet food industry, I want to say. Um, I think he has, he knows a lot of the flavor houses. And he was talking about sort of flavors and oxidization. And um, yeah, he'd be quite an interesting person to speak to about that. Yeah, I, I think we're going to get Joss back on. I was chatting to him the other day. I think he's keen. Um. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going to oxidize. It's going to denature. Yeah, you just fresh is best 100% when it comes to flavors and a lot of additives in general, particularly spices. Spices are something that I really go out of my way to get the freshest batch um, of spices. But yeah, it's just it's absolutely stupid. Um, It's kind of quite annoying. That these companies are, are flaunting this around and, and thinking this is all great because it's an old bottle and it's just not. So, uh, yeah, again, look, I, I don't mean to shit on anyone. As I said before, I certainly don't want to mess with anyone's business. Uh, so maybe I shouldn't have said that. But at the same time, you know, we do call it how it is on this podcast, don't we? And I think that should be the way it is. And to be fair on those um, hookbait creators, maybe they don't know that. 
or maybe they don't believe that. So I'm not necessarily saying that they're, you know, ripping you off. I'm sure that's not the case. Hey, you know, these, these old flavors are expensive to buy. So they're not trying to rip you off. It's just, they've totally got the wrong idea of it. Um, so yeah, that is something that does annoy me. But other than that, I'm pretty happy, I think. Yeah, I think I, I've got another thing that grinds your gears, mate. My gears or yours? No, yours. Oh, this is going to grind your gears. <clears throat> so I was scrolling through our uh, Instagram uh, and I saw a Carp Chronicles podcast comment pop up with a crying faced emoji and a comment saying, stop it. Um, to the Angling Trust about some urban fishing. Am I right? This This is grinding your gears, mate? Oh, I wrote stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with you. You lost me for a minute. Again, that just go that just goes into the trend thing, doesn't it? You know. So, so just to clear out for the listener, the um the freshwater angling trust on their Instagram page, I think they're trying to be you know hip and and down with the kids or whatever it might be. Um, they've put a picture of someone who actually looks like they're going off fly fishing because they've got a fly rod and some fly attire. They're in like um, they're under a bridge with some like graffiti in the background and the 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 slow the, like the the writing underneath it. The slogans like "been enjoying our urban fishing" or something like that. And it's just like fuck, come on. The the angling, I don't know. It just seemed so set up, fake and scripted. And and again, it just seems like they're. They're trying to jump on the um, this whole urban fishing craze that was started about by Nash. Um, just seems fake. Anything fake and false, I just really do not like it. Sorry, guys. I know I'm sounding super negative here. And if anyone from the um, Anglin Trust is, is offended, I'm sorry. But, um, yeah, it just, just seemed absolutely ridiculous to me. Did you get that, Pete? No. I get it, mate, because... I don't know. I, I understand, mate. So do you know what? So if you go back, it's probably, I don't know, is it like the first sort of like the urban sort of fishing films, I guess the first ones that came out, they actually sort of really drew my eye and I sort of, I really appreciated that. Now I've grown up in Cornwall, so I haven't got any sort of fishing like that. But um, my family all grew up in London. I go up there and there's like masses of water up there and it's always been something that sort of like really appealed to me, having never done it um but it's got more and more popular and i have to say i sort of uh, stray away from it it's not my it's not my scene put it that way um and i know what you mean about the craze but you can't blame the angling trust on the flip side because you've got millions of kids do you know what i mean who live in the cities and they're just trying to appeal to a younger audience and getting younger people fishing and interested in the sport mate so you can see why they would sort of take that take that route but i can see why it pisses you off (laughs) I do. Yeah, I do get it, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think now more than ever, they're trying to be more in touch with the angling community, aren't they? Um, Mm. So it would make sense that they would do that. So yeah, I do kind of get it. Um, I totally get it, actually. But it just, I don't know, it just there's a real element of of falsity about that. Yeah, Um, mate. Should we we put a little positive on it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah should we move on <laughs> yeah yeah let's go for it flip reverse it mate yeah um <clears throat> what have you used then this year so 2020 that sort of made your fishing it's really improved your fishing something you wouldn't go without now is there anything new this year that you've sort of yeah 
But hold up, just before we go into that, something else that annoys me actually. Sorry, I'm on I'm on a roll now. <laughs> you you overuse the sort of and the, these there's three word there's there's three words you overuse sort of and like. You'll say like sort Jesus. of sort of like like it's like it's sort of it's like a strawberry flavor. Is it like a strawberry flavor or is it a fucking strawberry flavor? Do you know what I mean? You overuse that a little bit. Sorry, mate. Yeah, it's an appraisal. Cheers. Pitching into you, isn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you are. Um, so, yeah. like, um, 2020, <laughs> what have you enjoyed using? 2020, uh, I tell you what, I think, obviously, it's been craziness, what with the lockdown and, and things like that. But um, I feel like I've been much, I've paid much more attention to the tackle and, little little things like that whereas before i i perhaps didn't as much or i haven't done for many years um i think there's quite a good few things to come out or not to come out actually quite a good few things that are new to me in 2020 the bait rocket that we spoke about on the last podcast with sean harrison that's definitely up there like that thing is freaking good have you had a chance to have a look at one of those yet yeah i've had a look i've not used one mate um Mm. I've well, I've seen them online. To be honest, I haven't I haven't seen one in the flesh. Hmm. I think like we touched on it with Sean. I do think if if that would been brought out by another company, they'd probably be quite popular. I think a lot more people would use them. Yeah, I think a lot of people look at it and it's they see the company and think hmm. like not for me. But yeah, go on. How have you? How do you find it? Sort of. Well, you might need to describe it for the listener, maybe it's it, um, it looks it looks like a spawn but basically you're like you hit the clip um or 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 hit the the spool in mid-flight and then it ejects in mid-air so it sprays the bait everywhere so you're basically rather than getting a, a smaller area of bait deployed from a spawn or a spod it kind of jettisons the bait out to give it a nice big spread same kind of thing you'd get with a catapult or or maybe even a throwing stick. Um, so it's just a different way to get the bait out there. Um, I like to fish over that kind of baiting pre- uh, strategy as well, as well as that, like the gulls aren't going to get all of your bait. Uh, I know they don't with a spawn, but again, it's just a way to put it in a bit of a spreaded area. Whereas if you try and do that with a throwing stick, um, like you, like the girls are just going to get you on a lot of the waters or certainly on the waters I fish. Um, So yeah, it's a really good tool. I think it's total fishing gear that make it. Um, Yeah. And it's good. Next time we fish together, Pete, I'll bring it. I've always got it anyway. You'll have to have a go. Presumably like, is it take a bit of getting used to? Cause I imagine it, I I don't know how far it projects the baits. Is Um, it hard to bait? I suppose it's not like an accurate baiting tool, but it's more accurate say than a, catapult yeah yeah for your range it yeah i suppose but i mean look 20 casts and you'll have nailed it sort of thing well not nailed it but you'll be you'll be good enough to put it where you want it um so no it's not that hard how short are you sort of would you clip up to your spot well it depends on where your spot is i've Mm. banged it out like 100 yards i've done it in it much much shorter than that um just wherever you i've but I, I guess it depends in the power and the cast as well as to how far it in my head you're hitting that clip and baits are spraying a distance you know 
Yeah, it's it's probably not as profound. Like it's probably not as extreme as you, as your brain is thinking it is. Mm. Um, it gives a good spread. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. You have to buy one and and have a play with it, or just play on mine. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, one of mine, mate. As as we've sort of highlighted on the podcast for the guys who've listened to us throughout mm. the year, I had numerous issues with shelters and brollies. Um, and I went with your recommendation, and I bought the ESP hideout brolly, and I absolutely love it, mate. Mm. It's just a no frills, easy bit of kit. Yeah, and it works. It doesn't leak, which is a bonus. Don't really need anything with it, do you? No storm poles. I rarely use like one or like two pegs, maybe to peg it down. Just yeah. easy, like yeah. super easy. Yeah, because it's it's for those that don't know, it's freestanding because you've got two extending ribs that fold out. Um, <clears throat> so whereas a normal brolly, you've got to peg it down for it to stand up or use the front storm poles. This one, it, it's just freestanding, so it goes up real quick. You don't have to carry storm poles with you. So you're cutting down on weight and bulk and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just all around good bit of simple kit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like the fact that so it's got like it's a I'd say it's not a fantastic quality material. It's a very lightweight, like five thousand hydrostatic head. Is it? I don't know, but it's it's a lightweight material, isn't it? Certainly not like a I don't know, like a Hydra Tech or whatever the the fancy fabrics are. But it's just super lightweight, and I like the integrated fronts. So sort of like the storm sides, they're kind of like, um, sort of like it's got half a front already attached, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And they're just super versatile. You have them rolled back most of the time. If a little bit of crosswind comes in and a bit of drizzle, you just peg a side out. It's already attached to the brolly. It's just, yeah, really versatile. And it just suits me for my style of fishing. Just I'm only there for 10, 12 hours overnight. Chuck the brolly up put it away again happy days 100 percent. so <clears throat> since we started this podcast which was just over a year ago i think you've had <laughs> how many shouters have you had mate you tell us <clears throat> well i have like my old witchwood brolly which i've had for probably eight or nine years yeah how many new one. ones you had how many new so from there i got the um tracker tempest like v2 really good brolly basically what happened i actually really liked that i there was no need for me to get rid of it the only reason why i got rid of it was because i got bored in lockdown and i think i needed my fishing fix i started like selling and buying bits of tackle and i bought is it the sonic axis bivy it's very similar to the i thought would be similar to the tempest um it's actually got it's hard to explain it's actually a really good bit of kit i actually quite liked it but the uh, it's got rear vents, like sewn in the peg, the point, the elastic loop point for the rear vents. It there's four of them on the back of the brolly. It just leaked from all four of those. So I was like, it's obviously a manufacturing issue. And chances are, if I get another one, um, it might have the same problem. So I just returned that. And then I thought, which word brolly? I love my which word brolly. I'm just going to go back to a brolly. And then which word brolly has. So it's the MHR brolly, I think it is. Another, again, really good brolly. I really liked it. 
but it leaked. It's got these little clips, which you don't need. You do not need them. So these little clips are sewn into the roof of the brolly. And the idea is when you put the brolly away, you can fold your storm pole in and clip it into place. But anyone who's used a brolly, you'd know you just fold the storm poles in and they're kept in place inside the brolly anyway. It's just completely unnecessary. Um, and it leaked through there. So both of them leaked, which was typically on sort of like your head end and the foot end of the bed. So if it's just a little drip that was somewhere insignificant i'd probably just get over it at this point because i just wanted a decent shower but it dripped right onto my head so i dealt with the company and they sent me out another one which leaked in exactly the same place and at that point i sort of gave up and <laughs> just got the uh the esp on your recommendation which i'm enjoying yes yeah, so you've had quite a few what my question was going to be is you're going to stick with this one do you think mate i can't be bothered to get another shelter ever again <laughs> Yeah, would you want to though? Like, does it not just do everything? Yeah, it does everything. I've turned more into like a little bit of a bank rat as well. Um, like, for example, when I got like the Axis, like Bivy from Sonic, I was like ground sheeted. Everything oh, was sort of like real God. comfy. Yeah, and now I've, I've this this thing hasn't. I mean, we're in December now, and the ground sheet's not coming out of the packet. I'm just sort of turned more into a bank rat and. You never used to be a ground sheet, dude. I'm sure this stuff has only happened since I've moved away and you've you've got in with the wrong sort, started fishing with the wrong crowd, mate. <laughs> yeah. It's true though, isn't it? <laughs> Not really. It dude, is. I just I sold the brolly at the beginning of the year. <laughs> it's only been since lockdown, really, that I started fishing with a ground sheet. Don't know, mate. I don't know, mm. mate. You changed a lot, that's what I'm saying. Mm. Uh, anyway, you like mm. your ground sheet nowadays? No, I don't. Oh. I've used a ground sheet once this year. Yeah, and that is how fantastic it was. It was amazing. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a ground sheet dude. I'm a freaking brolly, open front brolly. Yeah, uh, just no luxuries for me. But yeah, I used the ground sheet because the ground was just. It was just a. I just had to basically. Mm-hmm. Um, ground was absolutely in tatters. Supremely muddy. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was good. You know, it the, it was just nice fish in that lake and I can put something on the floor and it's not like sinking into the mud by two inches or something ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. A bit of luxury, but um, I don't think I'll use it again. Um, I'll tell you something else that I am really impressed with are the Korda Kamakura hooks. I appreciate they're not new this year. I don't think they are anyway. Um, I started using them. Oh, yeah, actually, they are new this year, aren't they? Are they? Not anyway, sure. started using them this year, and uh, they are freaking brilliant. I cannot sharpen hooks for toffee. I really, really can't. Um, so, yeah, those Kamakura hooks are an absolute godsend for me. They're going to bring out a uh, – this isn't official, I don't think, but they're going to bring out an X version, um, or at least they're, they're trialing it. And I cannot wait until that version comes out because it's just stronger. And most of you probably know the quarter hooks aren't the strongest hooks. Um, They're not my favorite patterns either. But I think a a really, really sticky, sharp hook um, trumps that. So, yeah, using them, loving them. Cannot wait for the beefed up heavier gauge X version to come out. Um, But they're very, very good. They only do a limited like range in the Kamakura, don't they? What patterns have they got? They do the wide gape, 
Um, and then the trod version of the wide gape. Um, they're the only two I use. I think they do the, what's the little um, offset hook that Corda do? Yeah, crank. It, it's not a curve shank. It's kind of curved, but it's shorter shanked. And uh, the point is offset. Yeah, it's crank, isn't it? Crank, is it? Is it the crank? Mm. Yeah, it's the crank, is it? Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. Um, yeah, I think they're the only three that they do in the Kamakura range. Mm. Um, I like a long shank hook. Um, I wouldn't mind it if they brought out a long shank one. It would have to be the X version because the um, long shank is a little bit of a weaker hook. Um, so, yeah. It's just it's, their like beak point. Do they do the curve? They don't do the curve, do they? In the Kamakura? I don't think so. I'm just no. wondering, because they're all sort of beaked point hooks, aren't they? And I wonder if that's got anything to do with the sharpening process or why they've only chosen those patterns. The um, offset hook, um, the crank, maybe it's the crank. People are probably yelling at us and it's not the crank, mate. But whatever <laughs> that, that hook is called. It's a crank, um, I'm pretty sure of it. Is it? All right. Then the crank, um, I, I don't think that's a beaked point. I don't hmm. think. Might be wrong. Um, yeah, anyway, those are three. Um, super impressed with those. Something, well, some can I go on to my next one? I will anyway. Something else I'm really impressed with. Um, talking of you know, winter and being colder and ground sheets and the kind of thing. Um, I got myself a really good quality fleece. Um, it's uh, it's made by a company called Mountain Equipment, which is a British company, they make proper hardcore mountaineering equipment as the name would suggest um and this is their oh, i think it's called the moreno fleece it's either the moreno or the chinos the chinos is made by montaigne i think actually i've ordered that one as well yeah it, it's the mountain equipment moreno fleece and this ring it this thing is awesome it's super warm um it, it zips up high. It's not itchy or anything like that. It's really, really well insulated. Um, it's low at the back. Uh, so when you're bending over, your ass isn't, you know, sticking out, getting cold. Really, really, really impressed by that bit of equipment. Um, it's a really, really good fleece. Uh, yeah. Mm, that is something I need to up is my sort of my winter, winter clothing. Um, I think we talked about salopettes, didn't we, on a podcast before, and you were talking about a onesie, mm. um, which has made me, well, I found a onesie online, which I've got the wife to get me for Christmas. So I will do a little review on that when the time comes. But I've always thought of, I didn't want to get the salopettes and a thermal suit. I know it's warm, but again, my style of fishing, quite often I'm getting there late at night set everything up do my bits and then i don't know mate it's not long before i'm in bed really and i just Ooh. think it's a lot of bulk and i'd rather just wear some sort of like decent layers and some comfy clothing and something big and bulky i don't know it's just nah just i don't know too restrictive yeah 100 percent. and and that that's something else that i'm really impressed with is i got a onesie um just to cut that draft out that seam between your trousers and your upper body you can wear as many layers there as you want but you've always kind of got that 
that potentially open area. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I've never really, I mean, I've had like a winter jacket and I wear thermals under my trousers and I might wear a few layers, and a jumper and then a warm jacket, but I've never really taken it much more than that. But this year I have, um, as I said, the fleece. Uh, I also use thermals and I've got a thermal onesie as well. And it's good. Um, it's very good. It's called a thermal onesie. It's actually quite thin. Um, but yeah, I have, so I have, um, my thermal onesie. I also have a, a thermal layer anyway, bottoms and tops. Um, and then this, this, um, this fleece I've been using and then a, a jacket and, and trousers on my bottom half, of course, uh, some good quality old bracer socks and I'm good. I'm toasty. I, I couple that with, um, my ski techs wellies, but they're not the the normal ski techs. They are ski techs light and they're very lightweight and easier to move in. Um, and that sees me toasty, super toasty so far. Um, so yeah, I quite enjoy, I'm quite enjoying the clothing aspect and, you know, figuring out where to put, put which layer with your thermals and things like that. Um, before I just didn't really give two hoots, but I suppose it's just getting a bit older. And uh, need to wrap up a little bit more. Feeling the cold more than I used to, but that's for sure. Yeah, mate. Would you wear all of this at like one time? Yeah. Like, literally like the Michelin man, like lay it up. Well, not really, because on my bottom half, I've got the thermals on first. And then on the top, I've got a thermal top. These are very thin, like a thin thermal layer. Over that, I've got the onesie. Um, wow. That's quite a lot of layers, mate, already. That's two layers, Pete. Well, do you know what I mean? Like, once Which, you get trousers on. Well, that's three layers on the bottom. Yeah, that's a lot. In my mind, that's that's a lot of layer. Mm, yeah, it's all about the layers, though, isn't it, if you want to keep warm? What's it like in bed, mate? I'm being serious. Do you not have a problem with that? Or do you <laughs> remove layers? Yeah, I do. Yeah, so I'll remove my fleece in bed, or I did do last time. Um, other than that, I'm good. Yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, the like the it's probably so boring for the listener, but um, the the onesie is really thin. Like it is really thin. It's just to trap that layer of air. Um, and then you know what thermal like long johns are like. They're really thin as well. Same as the the thermal top. It's all pretty thin stuff, isn't it? Mm. So like, if I wear long johns and just like a trouser, for example, when I'm in bed, if I've got both layers on, I find it really, you know, if you like move around, I find it all the material sort of sticks and twists like around your body. Does that make sense? Mm. I can't get comfy with it. My latest sleeping bag, I found really alleviated that. So my previous bag had like a fleece layer on the top and a fleece layer underneath. Mm. So it gives you no sort of sliding room, if that makes sense. Whereas this bag I've got now, which I think might be the same as your bag, mate, yeah, you know it is. You recommended it to me. Yeah. Um, so it's got like a slidey layer at the bottom. I don't know what material it is, um, but you can sort of move freely in it. And that's sort of, well, it's made a big difference for me anyway, with a little bit of bank comfort anyway. Mm. Yeah. So another little positive for me, mate, this year has been I lost my trusty, well, this is fairly recently. This has only been the last six weeks or so. My trusty like um, jag sharpening stone. So that's the black one, the coarse one. And I've got a replacement online. And for a file that costs probably three or four pounds delivered, <clears throat> I think if you go on eBay, just type in, I think it's 400 grit sharpening file. 
Um, it's dual layered, so you've got like a rougher side to really sort of take the metal off the hook, and then it's got a softer side just to sort of neaten it up. Um, and it's like a butterfly knife in that it's got a plastic plastic coating. You fold it out, and the sort of like the blade comes out. Um, that's been really, really, really good. I've probably sharpened, I don't know, 60, 80 hooks of it so far. And I can tell you now it probably won't last as long as a Jag file. Uh, but for value for money, it's a really, really fantastic bit of kit. And the other thing I've done is I've bought, I used to always use my forceps so you can clasp because the forceps have got like the, 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 the clasp, I guess, so you can close them and keep them closed. And I always used to put my hook in the back of the forceps to use as a vice. Uh, I recently actually just bought the actual sort of recommended like jag vice. And what a difference that's made, to be honest. Um, I would recommend that to anybody if anybody's a forcep user out there or if somebody thinks they can sort of hold it in their fingers and it's, they're struggling with it just get the vice it's made a big difference mm. yeah yeah. I'd have to send my hooks down to get them sharpened for you mm. <laughs> what, don't send your kamakuras down mate they'll probably come, <laughs> they'll probably come back blunter you, so here's a question do you think you could sharpen a hook as sharp as one of those Kamakuras? Um, <clears throat> I've been, so I've got some Kamakuras, mate. And not every hook, I can, I can sharpen some hooks as sharp as them, but I can't sharpen every hook as sharp as a Kamakura. And it's really annoying, if I'm honest. Mm. They are bloody sharp. Mm. Is that, do, do you think that's just a practice thing on your behalf, or do you just think it's, it's just, imp- impossible to get them that sharp yeah i um definitely a practice thing i've done a lot more of it and i've spent a lot more honestly since you showed me the kamakuras i was a bit like shit and it's sort of um i really focused more on my hook sharpening because i was actually sort of amazed at how sharp they were out of the packet Mm. um there aren't any other hooks on the market that sharp out of the packet i know the nash do the pinpoint ones nowhere near as sharp rubbish aren't they Oh, I mean, I mean, in comparison to the Kamakura, they're not. Well, let's touch on it. I wouldn't say they're rubbish, mate. I mean, the majority of hooks nowadays are pretty sharp out of the pack. They I like Nash hooks. 10, 15 years ago, you know, they're yeah. a lot sharper now. I like Nash hooks. Don't get me wrong. I re- I like that twister um, pattern. I really like that. Mm-hmm. But like the, the pinpoint, I was expecting them to be significantly sharper than their standard hooks. Um, I didn't really think they were, to be honest. Yeah. No, probably not. No. Hmm. I'll tell you what does intrigue me. And I know it's like, it's got a lot of hate online and I saw it and I was just like, I saw the device and I saw the price and I was like, it's just ridiculous. What is the matter with people? But again, so since really looking at the Kamakura ones, you can see how much material they're taking off the hook, right? And that's sort of what I've mimicked now in my sharpening. So more so than focusing purely on the point, it's taking a lot of material and flattening like a surface of the hook right off. Their sharpening stone, like the electric one, have you seen that in action? The Nash one? Mm. Not in action. I've seen it. Uh, I'm aware of it. Yeah. Wow. I think like if, if it's just, like if you struggle to sharpen hooks, I think that would really help you out, mate. Really? 
I could see you getting through some packs like pretty quick practicing. Because hmm. um, I think it takes quite a lot of material off the hook quite quick. It's just effortless, isn't it? It's a little spinning stone. And um, having said that, would I buy one? Oh, I don't think so. Mm. Just couldn't warrant a hundred quid or whatever it is for a something you can do a hand. I don't know. A hundred quid for a sharpening stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Jeez. That's what I mean. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's it's a bit of an investment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Fair enough. Um anything else that you're particularly impressed with this year? Uh, mate, I've had a very unimpressive year's fishing. <laughs> no, not really. Not really. I mm. think um if we were to look at next year, I think I'd, I'd certainly do things differently than I've done this year. What what would that be? Uh, I just haven't focused on sort of one thing. I've flitted between things, and I just sort of need to need to focus on sort of one element of my fishing, um, if that makes sense, and sort of trust it and go with it. And I think that's one of the most... I've had an unsuccessful year this year, mate, um, and it's really bugged me, to be honest, and it's just down to my own sort of errors and mistakes, just in how I've approached fishing sort of mentally, if that makes any sense. Um, it's been a lot of... I've just been going fishing to escape life, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I've just been getting out, and I've been really enjoying just getting out and away from the kids. And I'd like chuck the rods out. I'll sit down, I'll have a beer, cook a bit of food, and just get my little time away. Um, and actually, now I'm feeling with the podcast under a bit of pressure. I need to actually catch some fish, mate. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm going to try and do this year. Focus more on the fishing. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I do get that, and I, I kind of sense that anyway um you've not had the best year have you no but yeah yeah 2021 is is fast approaching mate um something that i've uh, i've got a bit of a new toy is i've changed cameras to a uh, canon eos r which is actually a really nice bit of kit to be honest with you um of course same as with any you know higher end camera some people will say, oh, well, it's, you know, it's, there's this fault of it. It's not as good as X. But, um, yeah, I'm actually really impressed with it and really quite enjoying that. Um, so that's a nice new thing, nice new thing for me in 2021. Uh, sorry, in 2020, uh, as well as that, I've moved over to Braid. I've used Braid in the past. Um, and as you reminded me of, Pete, I didn't get on well with it, did I, the first time I properly used Braid on that old syndicate we were on? Um but uh, I'm using it now and I just can't see myself going back to mono. Like I really, really can't. Um, I think you'd enjoy it as well, Peaks. I know you suffer with line twist and I know it's something that really annoys you, isn't it? I'll be honest with you, mate. Uh, I haven't said just line twist this year for me has been one positive of fishing one because I've not caught hardly any fish. <laughs> That's probably helped. <laughs> yeah. but I used to, I, I've always struggled, um, but I've been, so I bought new budget reels. So I've already spoken about this loads of times in the podcast, but I use 10 foot rods for the bulk of my fishing. And I bought the Akuma. I can't remember what they're called. Inception, Akuma Inception, 6,000 reels. 
and for a budget reel, mate, they are absolutely fantastic. Um, and I have lost a lot of my twist problems. I really have. Mm. Um, yeah, I can't speak highly of them enough, to be honest. Um, hmm. Yeah, coupled that with, I've changed my line as well. So I had been using like the Nash Bullet line. For years, I'd use it as their diffusion mono. Yes, uh, yeah. I put you onto that stuff years I ago. You did, yes. I remember when you... It was to do with the, like, the leaders. You were a big fan of those leaders that used to just disappear. And yeah, I used that money for a long time. And I know they've discontinued that. And I think they've re-bought out the bullet, which is like the next best thing in line. And I used that for a year or two. And then I've used the Gardner. Is it the CM90? No, it's Berkeley. Not Gardner. Berkeley, yeah. Mm. What a mono that is. Mm. I well, really? I used... I used it. I was on uh, for ages the um, the Gardner GR60, um, and then I moved over to that Berkeley uh, Connect CM90, the green one. And uh, I put you onto that line as well, mate. You did, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's good, very good for for mono. I think that stuff's good. Um, I really do. But honestly, mate, braid all the way for me, not for the twist issue. I just mentioned that because it's relative to you, but just the fact that there's no stretch in your line. So I've just joined a, uh, I've got a ticket just for winter on one water. Um, I can't fish it for a full ticket because it's just anyway. Um, but I managed to get a winter ticket, which I was very, very lucky to get. And you can't use braid on this water. So I've had to go back to mono. I'm using the Berkeley CM90. Um, although I've actually just bought a load of fluorocarbon. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's so stretchy in comparison. You just can't feel as much. And yeah, you can, you can have a marker rod with braid and things like that. But the way I like, I, a lot of the time I'm just fishing for drops or I'll, I'll cast a show in fish. I'm like very kind of like on fish and you can't always, you know, we, a lot of the time, you know, if I see a fish, last thing I want to be doing is chucking around a freaking lead and a marker float to find a clear spot to present next to it. You need to just cast out on the fish and just having the braid just gives you so much of a clearer uh, idea of, of what you're landing on. Um, and then, of course, bite indication is just so much clearer. I like to fish with slack lines, but I don't like the shitty bite indication that they bring. And obviously with the... The braid, a lot of that is taken out because there's no stretch. And yeah, I just, I'm, I'm really loving the braid. Uh, and I'm really disliking going back to mono. It's got to be said. Um, so yeah, I'm a braid man through and through now. Uh, and that is something that's been new to me this year. As I said before, I tried it years ago. Didn't get on with it. Um, absolutely loving it now. And something that has been an absolute game changer um, is telescopic ladders. So if you have a look around uh, Screwfix catalog or, or where have you, you can get these ladders, which are telescopic. Um, so they pack down very small, obviously, and then obviously they extend and you can pop them up next to a tree and get a good vantage point, or, you know, a good look into the water. They're a freaking game changer. Obviously, you, you got to find the fish when you angle. You really, really do. Um, climbing trees is very, very important. Not all trees are climbable, um, especially not now I'm getting older and fatter. Uh, and these telescopic ladders have really, really made a big difference in my angling. So 
I would recommend those to everyone. They take up about the same amount of space as a folded chair, um, but are definitely going to catch you more fish than a chair will. Yeah, I found that fascinating, to be honest, mate. Is that something you've seen other people doing? Is it something that you were just getting frustrated because you couldn't get out the trees and you just thought, all right, fuck it, I'm just going to buy a ladder? Well, uh, yeah, I've, I've fished waters before where there's been, you know, proper ladders there. Uh, you know, not unfolding ladders, which just stay. Um, in fact, you have as well, Pete. We, we've fished those waters before. I don't know. It's just an obvious thing to do, isn't it? Mm. Uh, I've never seen anyone else do it. Um, no, it made me laugh when you first sort of <laughs> sent me a photo of your ladder up a tree. Um, but yeah, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Literally makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's not a lot of bulk really on the barrow, is it? No, yeah, like you've seen my car. It's not exactly, it's not you know like a freaking huge thing with loads of space. They just stay in my boot. Don't take up hardly any room. They fit in my boot for a start, which is a plus. Um, but even for baiting up, yeah. walking around a lake, just chuck them under yeah. your arm. They're lightweight. Mm-hmm. And it's genuinely a really, really good idea. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So those are something that I really recommend to anybody. Um, as well as that, um, I mentioned earlier about the the mushroom I was drinking, um, which I've been into for years, to be honest, but uh, Four Sigmatic. This is a company that blend instant coffee, which I'm, I'm a bit of a coffee snob, I'm not usually a fan of instant, but they have instant coffee with... Um, uh, different mushrooms, so chaga, reishi, lion's mane, um, etc. And they're basically these little sachets, individual single surf sachets. Uh, it's rare that I'll have a hot drink on the bank now, though it's getting a bit colder. I'm starting to have them. Just take a few of these little sachets. Massively cuts down on on um, you know if you wanted to make like a proper coffee on the bank, you got to take you know a lot more stuff. These just little sachets go in your kit don't even notice they're there and then they're going to give you a really tasty beverage but as well as that as i said before they really do help you stay focused and and kind of you just feel cognitively more efficient you feel on the ball um so those are really really good um so convenient small to pack and you know you're going to have your wits about you if you're off stomping around the lake trying to find carp um I'm going to bore the listeners with this, mate. Sorry. Go on. Can you taste the mushroom? It, the, the one that I have, which is, I think, their focus range, um, which is the one with lion's mane and chaga. Um, it, I'll be honest. They, in the sachet, they're not super high amounts of lion's mane and chaga. I actually have lion's mane and chaga separate than that. But anyway, we're going into that. But um, no, it doesn't taste mushroomy. It kind of tastes like burnt toast. Mm. but in a good way it's actually really nice it's actually genuinely a nice taste um it's funny you say that because i've recently got into it's like a matcha but with like a toasted rice mm. a tea bag um and a burnt sort of rice flavor with the matcha i don't know i really like it most people think it's just i think it's quite an acquired taste but that sort of burnt sort of savory taste i'm yeah i'm really into yeah, try the Four Sigmatic, mate. Um, you can get them on Amazon. They are eight pounds something for ten sachets. Um, is this the same company that sort of, I don't know, like Joe Rogan? 
sort of spoken about it a lot. And I think there's probably like a sponsor to his podcast. I don't think Joe Rogan, it might be, but um, I first heard about them probably four or five years ago from uh, Tim Ferriss podcast. I haven't heard them on the Joe Rogan podcast. I tell you what, though, actually, Joe Rogan, um, he has spoken about the um, Laird Hamilton turmeric creamer. Mm -hmm. I have that. And in fact, I didn't say that. This little coffee blend um, with mushroom in, I actually had some of that, um, that coffee creamer in it as well. It's called a coffee creamer. It's basically powdered MCT and turmeric um i think there's a few other things in there as well but that's yeah it's all natural good good quality healthy stuff I had a bit of that in there uh yeah that I, that's been mentioned on joe rogan podcast but i don't think there's four sigmatic has i might be wrong i don't really listen to it that much mm. so there we go that's the that's the mushroom coffee covered definitely and lastly um just new bait developments, new things I've been tinkering on. Um, some old hook bait recipes. I've, you know, put a bit of a modern twist on, added some things in there, which probably not going to go into. Um, and yeah, I've just, uh, I've been enjoying my bait tinkering and I've been having quite a lot of success with it. Um, yeah. And I think that's pretty much it for, uh, the new things for me in 2020 that I've been impressed with. Yeah. <clears throat> Mate, it's a substantial list. Mm. Yeah. That's good though. Do you know what I mean? You've, you've learned a lot this year. You've sort of tried new things and is there anything you'd say you've tried and thought, nah, actually waste of time. Um, few things. Oh, I've had the 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 uh, my eternal dilemma of a squeaky chair. I spoke to you about that, haven't I? I had, no, I haven't. Do you remember that chair I had? I had it for freaking years. It was like the seat was in place with a rope, like the frame had broke. Oh, Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had this battered chair for years. It was honestly tied together. It was held together with rope. It was, you know, people would probably these days probably say it was super carpy, wouldn't they? But it was just this battered old thing that I took everywhere. Um, anyway, like it has had its day. So I got another chair, um, which was a Witchwood, Witchwood low chair, something like that. I like low down chairs. Um, and when you sit on it, it is so freaking noisy. In fact, I didn't buy this this year. I bought it a couple of years ago, but it's super noisy. You know, when you're fishing close in the edge and you've got to think that chair is obviously on the floor and that's like, like really loud, not squeaking noise, but kind of that kind of thing. That's going to transmit through the bag. It's 100% going to alert the fish to you being there. So I did not like it. Um, so I bought a new chair, um, which is a Tracker RLX bed chair chair, I think it's called. It doesn't have back feet but it's got like this frame thing. So you can put it on your bed chair and sit on there. Well, you can do that with a normal chair anyway, just fold the back legs under. Um, but you can also sit it on the floor, but you just really lent back. Got that. It was silent. Oh, I loved it. You know, it was, it barely made a noise like a mouse pissing on cotton. Um, but now that started making a freaking noise when I get on it, not as bad as the Witcher one, 
but still it's it's significant amount of noise now have you had this problem mate pete have you had this problem listeners have you had this problem i'd love to hear from you i don't know if it's just me or or if this is a thing but you'd think that some bloody company would make a quiet chair to sit on would you not i've got that honestly, mate, my bed chair has become so loud, unbearably loud, to the point of I'm concerned, like moving in the night because I mm. don't want to make the noise, and it is really, really loud. Um, I've tightened up the bungees, thinking, oh, they've just slackened off, and it made the bed really uncomfy. If I'm honest, I've tightened them up probably too much, and the noise is still there. I don't know what to do. It's got like, so I guess the like the lumbar support it's got the canvas that wraps around the frame mm. and i've narrowed the noise down to that rather than obviously the bungees around the frame it's the bit where you've got the canvas that goes all the way around the frame and if i move on there it just i don't know just i like your old chair mate just makes a really really significantly loud noise well this is the thing my proper old chair that was held together with twine that didn't make that much noise it's only these newer ones i've got Hmm. Uh, but it's annoying, isn't it? It's, a, it's like it's a genuine problem. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, not not too impressed with that. Um, I think I've spoken about it before, but I had a um, ProLogic uh, Thermal Light, Light Thermal Pro or something like that jacket. Bought it around about this time last year, actually. That's just been falling apart. Um messaged them and said like there's an issue with it or you know it's covered by warranty or anything it was basically just a no-go oh you gotta take it they just weren't very helpful at all basically so that was pretty pretty crap um apart from that i'm pretty happy with everything i think it's a good insight for the listener anyway uh, into who sam is um yeah oh what do you mean why you've sort of really sort of opened up about your fishing and what you use and your little little ditties yeah something else actually i tell you that <laughs> now i'm on a roll again um those little hook kickers that so these um these like pre-made kickers that you'd put on the end of your hook to have the line coming off the hook at an angle so instead of using um shrink tubing you these are pre-made love the idea you know it's easy a lot of time i don't have a kettle with me when i go fishing um so it just solves that issue although you can actually use the lighter with shrink tubing um those things are as great as they are i find them an absolute bugger to get on the hook i use big hooks as many of many of you listen to me will, will know that um many of you that listen to this podcast will know that i use big hooks and they're an absolute bugger to get on there so i wish they would make those in a bigger size they, they do them in multi-sizes don't they yeah, I get I get the the large quarter ones. Yeah, and I use the quarter ones. Do you know what? So I saw a video at some point of somebody using them for like a Ronnie rig. So instead of shrink tubing the hook to the swivel, they're just using a kicker. And like you say, in that situation, is an absolute nightmare. And you pretty much have to cut the hook off because it never slides back off the the clasp of the swivel. If that makes sense. Um. So that's just ridiculous. Uh, but I don't have any problems using them on a normal sort of um, setup, mate. They just sort of slide over the eye of the hook. Yeah. You use smaller hooks than me, though, don't you? Sixes and fours. I th- mm, that's gone down. It used to be like sixes and eights. 
just to be honest with you, I just I was sixes really. Yeah, I've started using fours a lot more. I've been f- fishing with pop ups a lot more because I've been well tinkering with pop ups and things and use a bigger hook with a pop up and that's just sort of gone across onto to bottom baits. But yeah, I don't have a problem putting over the eye of a hook, mate. I reckon it's because you started fishing with me again. What's that? Bigger hooks. Oh, I just, you do this, mate. You really do do this. Yeah, I use I use a, years. a big hook for a pop-up, mate. I don't have a problem with it with a pop-up, but a bottom bait, I very rarely. Unless I was using a big bait, I wouldn't use a small bait and a big hook. Um, not on the bottom anyway. Mm. This, I mean, I know neither of us are particularly proficient with zigs, but let's say you're fishing with a zig. What size hook would you use then? Um, I'd probably use an eight, mate, or a six. Well, I'd, use, I'd use an eight, probably. Mate, I, I'm not a zig angler. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm really not. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah, fair enough, mate yourself but do you feel that hook sizes have got i don't know mate i look at hooks now and i'm telling you like a size hick six hook oh yeah isn't yeah. a size six hook of yesteryear do you know what no. i mean no absolutely do you agree not. with that totally agree yeah yeah they've changed yeah totally so i think that's yeah. got a lot to do with it as well yeah 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 no i agree with you they're definitely uh not what what you think are they like you look at a size four and it's like oh, it's it's like a bloody six. Do you know what I mean? Literally. Mm, mm. I don't know if it's happened or if it's just a getting old thing. And I don't know. No, I think there's been a switch. I really do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I guess it's, I don't know, you watch a lot of media content, mate, or I certainly do. And I think there's a, a general trend of sort of bigger hooks nowadays, isn't there? So, Do you think? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, definitely really sort of like yeah definitely sort of you see a lot of content as well with people who design their rig with the hook to balance the pop-ups you know what i mean Mm. so they can just use a rig and stuff and a a hook and a swivel say if they're using a runny rig out of the packet and it'll balance that pop-up straight away oh yeah yeah fair enough Mm. yeah i suppose yeah i i remember when to me, a size eight was a big hook for me. I, I was used to tens, twelves. Mm. Like that was the norm for me. So that's 10, unheard 12. of, isn't it? Nowadays, I don't see well, I don't see many anglers. I don't really look at their rigs, but I don't think it's I don't think it's common now. But yeah, that that I would be size twelve or quite often a size ten. That's what I'd use. Mm. Um size eight was like I'm bringing out the big guns here, you know. Uh, and I just wouldn't use a size eight now. It's just too small for me, I think. Um, even for zig fishing, I'm size size six. So, so yeah, it's, times change for sure. Another thing as well is you use, so um, for example, with pop-ups, I pretty much exclusively use a bait screw. Mm. Now you use sort of like a smaller hook with a, like the bait screws are pretty, like it's a lot of metal work really, isn't it? And I think with a bigger hook as well, it almost just balances it out. Yeah. I think that's probably another thing as well. Mm. You wouldn't have a big bait screw. Well, they're not big, are they? But a bait, imagine a bait screw on a 10. Well, 
I mean, or say a size eight, even that would just look a little bit. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, like a little micro swivel and some floss, or yeah, I don't know, I don't know, mate, I don't know. The thing is, it's I think it's ridiculous choosing the size of your hook to be dependent upon how you attach your hook bait. It's ridiculous. Well, yeah, you, you know, you you need the right size of hook for the fish, the, the way you're presenting it to them, um, and your bait to a degree you know um i wouldn't change it just so i could use my bait screws that is ridiculous yeah nor would i i'm just thinking about it as i'm talking mate all right let's move on shall we mm. um have you got any little this is what i wanted to ask you any new kind of hacks um you were mentioning about your bed chair. I'll give you an example. You mentioned about your bed chair and you like tightened up the um, elastics in there. As you, I think you know, this year um, I put zip ties in place of my elastics for my bed chair um, to make it harder um, and to cut down a little bit of weight. Um, I did that because I'm, I've seen it before, heard it before, forgot about it, but it was um, in the first lockdown ESP. Um, did a post about it and it made me think yeah i might do that actually i've seen that before and i did it and i like that um and i wouldn't change away from it now um have you got anything like that mate that you've brought into your angling doesn't even have to be this year just just any good hacks that you could share with me and the listeners it's not not a hack as such and i probably should have commented on this i guess on the previous section but i've really tidied up my tackle so i don't have as much loose stuff i just used to have my tackle box in my bag which have everything do you know what i mean mm. whereas now i've got so it's got all the packets and all of that and i've got rid of all of that and i bought like a little tackle safe it's a copy of the quarter one um so i've just got everything neat and tidy in there so anything i need to sort of like make up a rig there's just a few of each of the little bits i'm not carrying all the plastic and i've just got a lot less clutter uh, so i'd definitely sort of say that um but hacks wise not really no i wouldn't say anything i've got is a hack anyway mm. see i like that refining down thing just like t- cutting the shit out of all the tackle um i need to do that my tackle bag wet sorry my tackle bag weighs a ton i got so many different leads in there um, and if I'm like stalking in the edge, hard gravel spots, I like a big lead. I'm talking like five or six ounces. You know, I want to pull their face off when, <laughs> when they lift into it, not literally before someone gets offended. Um, but I like a big lead. So I've got loads of freaking leads that just wear me down. A lot of time I don't use them. A lot of time I'm casting to fish anyway. So I'm, I'm using like an ounce and a half, two ounce. Uh, I need to cut the fat with that. And as well, my tackle and... I'm taking a lot i'm starting to take lots of bits i've noticed as uh you know i refined all down for the year i think a lot of people in the winter go over their gear and you know sort the wheat from the chaff a little bit and i did that but i've gained a lot this year i think um started to carry a lot more and if you think back to times gone by i was pretty minimal wasn't i um i still am by most people's standards but uh, yeah, I like the sound of that, mate. Smaller tackle pouches, um, a la Rootsy style. Our friend mm-hmm. Adam Roots, um, who's very much into the minimal side of angling. It's all good, isn't it? 
It is all good. Um, yeah. What was your bulldog trick, mate? Your bulldog clips. Not actually taking a bulldog with you fishing. Yes, my bulldog. Yeah, 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 yeah. These are good. So in the um, in the brolly, if you want to have it letterbox style, um, which I like to do. If I've got to have the front on, I like to have it open letterbox style. Um, so you can see the lake, obviously, you know, sitting on your bed chair, looking at the lake. Uh, so what I do instead of just like zipping it down, if you want it down quite low, um, instead of just having the top of it trail on the floor and get caught in your boot and then you're going out, tripping over, what I do is I just roll it down. And then, see, this is a little bit, it's not exactly hardcore, is it? But anyway, I'm getting older. So I roll it down and I've got these bulldog clips, you know, these bulldog clips used to get in, in school and used to like go around and put them on people's ears and stuff. I've got a couple of those. I roll it down and just clip, clip it there. Um, roll down so it's not just dragging on the floor, getting caught in things. Um, just to facilitate the uh, the letter pox style. Yeah. I told you about them, didn't I? Yeah. Hmm. The other thing you had was some hair clips. That was when we went, because I needed to, I needed some elastic bands, didn't I? Because I wanted to, uh, fish sort of washing line style and I didn't have any elastic bands and we sort of tried to rig something up with some hair clips was that for the same reason but you've moved on to your your bulldogs yeah exactly that I couldn't get any bulldog clips I ordered some but they're taking ages to come so I just bought some hair clips whilst I was on the way to the lake they worked okay because they're quite chunky big uh, quite big chunky ones um, but the bulldog clips work a lot better um, mm. Definitely, but the, but those hair clips come in handy for things. If you're doing like, you know, you're doing something funky with the washing line method or something like that, um, they can be useful. I think there's a few little things that can be useful. Taking some electrical tape can be really useful for several different things. Um, and in fact, what I have now in just carrying on in the same vein of traveling fairly light, I like to have a small rucks. Well, not a small rucksack. Well, yeah, actually, no, yeah, a small rucksack uh, for my tackle bag. But what I also do is I bring a bucket, which has got kind of bits and bobs in. So I keep my bulldog clips and, and some other bits and bobs in this bucket, um, alongside some essential bits that um, that I'd need, you know, for doing the night anyway. Um, and this does a few things and it sounds a bit silly but it does a few things it goes next to my bed chair so it's somewhere i can keep my receiver and my phone um so it's a little mini table if you like keeps everything together doesn't take up too much space i can put other things in there um it's actually my poop bucket so i poop in it as well as keep all my stuff in there now obviously i'm not just shitting in the bucket raw you know i'm putting in a bin liner um I actually use a garden refuse sack because they're stronger. I think I covered that in an episode before when we're talking yeah. my hideous stories of times gone by. Um, so yeah, this this bucket is my poop bucket. It's my bits um, container with all my bits and bobs in that I need, battery backup chargers for my phone. Um, and it's also a little side table. Um, so that's good. I'm actually really enjoying my little bedside bucket slash poop bucket. Um, you're not a poop bucket guy, are you, Pete? Mate, I my sessions are so short, I rarely need to shit on the bank. Um, but yeah, if I was doing a long session, definitely I'd poop bucket. 
It's yeah. better than just sort of like trying to, I mean, we've all had a bag open on the ground like, or on the ground sheet, trying your best to aim it in. It's never pleasant, is it? No. No, no. you need a bucket, mate. You need a bucket. Um, I think my worst incident was trying to sort of tie off a bag to the side of the bed chair. And, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like balance one cheek. Oh my God, really? The bed chair, yeah. How did that end? It's just stressful, mate. It's not not a nice poo, is it? Okay. Yeah. What about your like cooking bits and stuff then, mate? Do you, because I know recently, now it's winter, you started like cooking and things on the bank. So I always used to have my bag and I used to pride myself in, I've got everything in one bag, goes on my back and I can do sort of one trip from the car. Everything is in there that I need. And I've recently sort of took out a lot of my cooking stuff because if I'm not going to be using it, what's the point in taking it with me? Yeah. And I've recently bought myself a little brew kit bag. It's an insulated bag. It gets my stove, like my, my cup, my little kettle in there. I can get my Ridge Monkey in there. Everything for my cooking all goes in this bag. Perfect. And then if I'm doing like a longer session and we go on a social, or whatever, we can like, I can put some food and stuff in it and take my cooking stuff back out again because it's insulated. So that's one of my little, my little hacks, I guess. It's just sort of tidied up my gear. And, um, I've just got the option. I take it or I don't take it. It can stay in the boot of the car and it doesn't sort of weigh me down. Um, yeah. So what are you doing for your sort of like your, your cooking bits? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I cook with gas. So I've got my little gas thing. I just get the small ones. I don't get the big ass ones. Um, and I've got my cooker that, that screws into that. Um, and what I have, I, I think I said this on the last podcast with Sean, actually. I don't um, make tea or anything like that on the bank now, though I'll, sometimes I'll do a mushroom coffee. But anyway, um, I've actually got this container type thing that I would use as a kettle if I needed a kettle. I'd also use it as a as a pot or a pan. Uh, it's made of titanium. Um, and inside that, I can put... Um, tea bags if I need tea bags I can actually fold up um, one of those soft food pouches um, it's by a food company called look what I've found you can get them in Waitrose and they're basically this uh, it, it's like a can of um, chili con carne for example or chicken stew instead of it being in a aluminium can it's in a plastic pouch um, so it's obviously more transportable less litter lighter etc um, so you can fold up one of those and put it in there. So yeah, I just try and keep everything in there as much as possible. If I don't have that stuff in there, then I can actually fit my cooker in it. Um, so it's so it's much more small and efficient. Um, but yeah, now it's getting cold. I am cooking, so I am taking that. And I'm just using a good old Ridge Monkey. Um, and I've started cooking pies. Um, I've just had a little bit of a penchant for different pies um which i get and i cannot remember the name of the pie company but they're these, these small pies they do a cotswold venison one which is very nice they do a um a pre one they, they do a few really nice pies and yeah i just bang that in the ridge monkey pop it on it warms up your brolly um and it's just nice to have a bit of hot food in this uh, cold weather isn't it mm. have you got the um neoprene sort of case for your ridge monkey no no i've not no so mine came with a neoprene case so get this freezing cold 
you can cook your dinner, slide the ridge monkey into the neoprene case, take the handles off, hot water bowl. Oh my goodness. Life hack. <laughs> you Genius. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That is actually... Heat to heat for freaking ages as well. But there is the bits, the bits, the metal bits that stick out dangerously hot. You've got to be careful. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a hazard. Mm. Yeah, that is a potential hazard if you're putting that in your sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the other one with a ridge monkey as well is if you're cooking something like a pie, for example, you've got that on a low heat, you're cooking it for quite a while. Get your kettle with your water, put it on top of the ridge monkey, and it, it almost it really warms the water in the kettle. And then you can just pop the kettle on for a quick boil once you finish cooking your, your pie. Nice. Nice. Something else I've started doing is uh, buying a cheese sandwich and then making a toasty in the in the Ridge Monkey. Yeah, it's pretty pretty standard, isn't it? I think yeah, it's pretty standard, but amazing. Yeah. You can't actually beat it like a toasty. It's just completely right, isn't it? Mm. Well, I don't know. My girlfriend makes these toasties at home, and they are honestly hard to beat. I don't think you can make them in the Red Ridge Monkey. No, no, no. I don't think so. No. No, I don't know what she does in there, but some magic. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Talking of hot water bottles, I tell you what I do. Um, it's getting a little bit crass. Might have to edit this out. Tell me if I'm going too far. But um, if you urinate into a bottle, so say it's in the middle of the night, it's bloody cold. You don't want to get out of your sleeping bag. I knew you were going to say this. Yeah, it's just easier to have a little bottle uh, or a big bottle. Um, just unzip your bag flop your manhood out pop it in the bottle pop the tip in the bottle pee in the bottle it's you haven't got to get out of bed you know convenience and then obviously screw the bottle up tight then you've got yourself a little hot water bottle and you're reusing your heat from your urine to heat up the innards of the sleeping bag it's a good hack mate yeah i do you know i wouldn't do it why i'd have to be really cold why? I don't know. But do you know what, mate? Surfing, I'll happily piss in my wetsuit. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I'll yeah. take great satisfaction from that because it is an amazing feeling. Look, for all you listeners that like... I couldn't do like, that. All you listeners that are like, Ew, it's disgusting. Listen, the, the, the urine is contained within a sack anyway, which is in you. All you have done is put it into another sack and it, it's the same thing. It's your urine is in a contained container what's the difference there's no there's no there's no freaking difference yeah you know yeah mate swiftly my take on it what have we got next yeah if you just just sent me a photo of a joss stick no 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 looks like a joss stick it's not mate no what is it joint it's not a joint. Yeah, it is. It's not. Yeah, it is. It isn't. Mate, it's ridiculous. It's like you've gone out in the garden and found a twig. Yeah. It's actually uh, Palo Santo. Hmm. Google it. Nice. <laughs> anyway, leading on, fuck-ups of the year. You had many fuck-ups, Pete? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, when I was really struggling for a fish, I had 
I woke up uh, to a bleep at about 4am, very sort of bleary eyed. I think it was one of the nights we'd recorded a podcast and I had a bleep and I sort of like was looking out at the rods and I ignored it. And then I had another bleep and I had another bleep. And I'm just like, oh, fucking bream. I'd caught a few bream. I was fishing with nuts that had been fermented in molasses. So the bream were enjoying them. Um, and when the sun had like properly come up and everything, and I'd make probably about an hour, hour and a half later, I was very bleary eyed, like just lazy, didn't get out of bed. And I've gone to reel in and I've just looked where my. I can only, the only way I can describe this swim is it's got some real sort of like it's it's got some real hardcore like 501 sort of hardcore which you'd put like foundations for your house on kind of thing uh, and you cannot get a bank stick through it and I've got this little Nash pod um, and my back stick had been pulled right across in the pod the pod's quite flimsy it's a cheap pod it's not like your fancy solar stainless steel jobbies it's just a cheap aluminium and plastic pod um I was just like, looked at it. I was a bit like, oh, shit, I probably had a take. And anyway, I reeled in, mate. Uh, the fish had probably kited, I don't know, 60 yards. I'd had a couple of bleeps. It dropped the lead. It had moved. My rig was probably 40, yeah, easy 40, 50 yards away from my spot. And I got properly done. And that was when I was really struggling for a bite. Um, Jeez, it, it dropped have been- the lead. Yeah, it could have been something quite special, you know, and mm. I've beaten myself up about that a bit. I've taken it a lot more. So you gave me a kick up the arse, put it that way. So, uh, so, so that's a fuck up, mate. Yeah. What? Why didn't you not? Why did you not get the correct indication? Just purely because it kited perfectly. I think I probably did get the correct indicate. I think I probably got a bit of a savage take. Um, that's why it sort of dislodged the back stick. Now, it's not a secure pod anyway. Um, but if I was any other time, I would have been on it. Um, I just don't know, mate. I fucked up. Very frustrating. Yeah, that is it. That could have been a, a nice fish from there as well, couldn't it? That particular mm-hmm. water. Hmm. Oh, well. So I learned from it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what about yourself, dude? I've got another fuck up. When you asked me the question, two came to my mind, and now I've forgotten the other one. So if you go through something, I might remember my second one. Um, The only thing for me is just not doing my homework properly on a water. Um. So I joined a big water up here on the Cotswold Water Park. And it, I mean, it used to, um, you know, it used to have good form and it used to be, you know, highly regarded and it could have been a fantastic water. Um, <clears throat> it had some fish in from Ashley Pool. Anyone that's, you know, up on the older, you know, what, what they'd call old school angling will obviously know Ashley Pool. It was up there with, you know, Redmire nearly and, and that kind of thing. Um so yeah, had some of those fish in. Anyway, this water could have been fantastic. I got a ticket, a ticket for it, got a yearly ticket. Uh sorry, I got a got a season ticket, whatever you'd call it. Um, so I got a ticket for it. 
and yeah it just it, it wasn't the 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 great water i was kind of expecting it to be um it's basically been stocked with some fish that it shouldn't have been stocked with which messed it up a little bit um it's it's got all kinds of issues basically um and that that was a bit of a disappointment and to be honest with you it was because i just didn't do my homework as well as i thought i did um you know i i thought that the fish in there were a lot um a lot more than than they are uh, in reality um so yeah apart from that i don't know mate tend to forget my fuck ups <laughs> and uh just focus on the glory bits but um yeah i'm sure i've had plenty um baiting up areas that have you know people have seen me baiting and then people have moved on it and, and caught fish that's definitely happened this year but that that probably happens to me every year to be honest um other than that yeah i don't know i haven't had any major catastrophes or anything um i haven't been fishing from a boat which is probably why if, if there was a boat involved i'm sure i'd have a few tales of some <laughs> fuck-ups but um no pretty plain sailing to be honest i haven't done that much angling this year uh i guess i've done a night most weeks just a quick overnighter um which for me isn't that much years ago i used to fish a lot lot more than that um you know three nights a week four nights sometimes uh sometimes just two but, but i used to fish a lot more so yeah it's been do you know what as far as my actual fishing goes this year, it's been a bit boring. I found it a bit boring. I've not got my teeth into anywhere and I've, I've had some very nice fish, very, very special fish, but I just I haven't had that much excitement in my angling. I think you're the same, mate, aren't you? To be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the big Cotswold pit. You actually, I know you, you sort of look at that as a bit of a, failure and you haven't done your homework bloody blah but you struggled for busy busy banks you still have fish out of there mate which is sort of no mean feat you didn't really do a lot of time on there um, yeah 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 definitely um why did you stop um because the stock is is not what i thought it was uh okay yeah yeah i, th I thought the, the stock was much more special than it is and i'm probably sounding snobby um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just past just fishing for fish, just to catch fish or just to catch big fish. I want to catch like the old special ones. And there are, there are some in there. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot that aren't, I don't know. It's just, just not for me. Um, you know, I just want to catch the real special ones. I'm not interested in catching every time I go or anything like that. I'm just interested in, in fishing for, 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 you know, nice fish um so yeah i might go back don't get me wrong you know I'm, i might do an, do another night or something if i can um my ticket's still valid so uh yeah it's not somewhere you'd look to renew the ticket then no i wouldn't i know i won't be renewing there no hmm, a shame nope no i've got a few other possibilities for tickets in 2021 uh sure maybe i'll talk to you about off air mm -hmm. uh, but no that definitely wouldn't be one of them no no um have you got a memorable capture for 2020 
Um, yeah, I've got a couple. I've, I think I've, no, I haven't. Yeah, I have. Um, I caught a lovely, um, a lovely male, um, golden Cotswold carp. Beautiful thing. You know, pro- if you think of a, a, you know, Cotswold carp, this, this would be it. I'm probably sound like a bit of a, you know, fool or whatever now, but, um, and I was with my girlfriend at the time, which is what I think made it so memorable. Um, Went down to a, a lake fairly local to me for the evening, um, just for a few hours in summer. Um, I, I took my girlfriend with me. I she shouldn't have been there, but anyway, um, just slung the rods out for a while. It, it had been an area that I'd had a fish from previously. And this lake in question, it's got some lovely, actually very old carpet and they're beautiful old dinosaur things not all of them but a lot of, there's quite a few real stunners in there and there are a few newer you know younger ones which are only about 10 years old but most of them are proper old ones um and yeah there was this this um this plateau that i'd been fishing recently i've been trickling the bait in there um, and i've done quite well on this lake this lake has been very kind to me ever since i first started fishing it um i've not done much time on there at all um but I've always done all right, quite to everyone's surprise, really, that fishes it because it's quite hard going. Um, but yeah, anyway, went down with my girlfriend. We sat out, I, I had a few drinks, um, just sort of chucked the rods out just just for some, you know, just just because I was at the lake, really. Um, and that rattled off. And, you know, I got my girlfriend who I've taken fishing before, um, but only to sort of, you know, more runs waters. Um, so I've got my girlfriend involved with it. And it was just a, a nice just a nice occurrence really um and it was just a, a a beautiful old male carp and um yeah i think it was more the share in the experience of my girlfriend that really made it uh, wasn't mega big or anything like that but just a lovely carp yeah mate very nice mm. how about you, what just one of those lovely balmy um summer afternoon slash evenings as well you know the ones where the, the days are proper long the sun's out it's just feeling nice and you got a few drinks and you're on a picnic blanket next to a gorgeous lake it's just you know the whole scene everything was just just lovely uh it seems like we're a million miles away from that right now <laughs> you know as we record this oh, yeah. it is the 16th of december um and yeah yeah how about yourself, mate? What, what's your memorable capture of the year? Mate. You had a few bream, haven't you? <laughs> I had some bream. Um, do you know what? Like, the year couldn't have got off any better. Um, my first night, I had one out with the, my target lake. Worst year's fishing ever. Mm. On a positive, though, mate. My phone's kicking off at me. The uh, Mate. So I think I think we've spoken about it a little bit on the, the podcast about cryptocurrencies, my other little hobby. Mm. Mate, it's just flying. Like Bitcoin has now reached its all-time high since it had like it reached twenty thousand dollars in two thousand seventeen, went as low as three thousand dollars, and now it's absolutely flying. Just hit twenty-one thousand. Nice. So at least my uh, fake money portfolio is uh, doing pretty good. Well done, mate. Hmm. Um, I tell you what, shall we lead into the listeners' questions? 
Yeah, I think that's a that is a good idea. Um, did, did you collate the questions from Facebook? <clears throat> uh, well, we got one today, which I think is particularly relevant, and we got one the other day as well from from Ray, which is a long time listener, and it was just questions about um, minerals in bait, which wasn't exactly a question, but I thought what you answered or replied to him was actually quite relevant. So I'll tell you what, if I sort of lead into that and we'll kick into that and I'll let you sort of say your response for the listener, because I think that's quite relevant to be fair. So Ray messaged us asking if we had any sort of data sheets on sort of the mineral requirements or vitamin requirements as well for, for carp, um, to which I had somewhere in the past I've had it. Um, and I can't put my finger on it. And then I think he found it and messaged it through to us, which is very kind of him. Um, and then your response to him was about when it comes to minerals and vitamin Sam. Um, yeah, I just think that there's a lot of variables there. Um, so let, well, first off, like, why are you looking at the, the vitamin and mineral requirements of carp? You know, is it, is it, on the basis of you want to create a bait, um, which is either very good for them or very attractive to them. <clears throat> so I'm presuming that's that's what Ray's getting at. I'm presuming it's not that he's trying to create an aquatic environment that would sustain fish from a fish farming point of view. Let's just presume it's for bait, right? Um, I just think there are so many variables. For a start, the carp are not just eating your bait. They're eating many, many different baits um, or feed things within that water. Obviously, naturals, there's other anglers' baits. They're eating a, a, a hugely diverse um, banquet of food every single day. So I don't think they need all of their vitamin and mineral requirements met in one meal. I just don't think it's necessary for a start. Um, on top of that, the environment would change. So if you were to, to really kind of hone down and look at some of the scientific papers, and they are out there that would say, you know, a, a, a carp needs X amount of this vitamin, X amount of that mineral. Well, I believe that amount that they quote unquote need would change depending upon the environment that they're in. Um, the age of the fish, the time of year that you're in. There's just so many different variables. I don't think anyone can 100% say this is exactly how much freaking coline uh, a carp needs. This is exactly how much vitamin A a carp would need. You just can't do that because there are so many freaking variables. Um, so that was basically my answer, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so, mate. I think you've covered it quite nicely there. Um, <clears throat> so another one from Finn, Finn Bruin. Um, I think he's been a listener for a long time. Um, he's come back to us and asked for plans for the new year and targets. Uh, anything new you guys want to try out or improve on? So I think we sort of touched, or I have anyway, what my sort of goal is for the new year. Um, for you, mate? What? Well, what was your goal for the year? Mate, I just need to, for me, well, I'm just learning from my mistakes of this year. I just need to focus actually on the fishing more. I've been using it as escape from reality. I'm going to focus on a water, probably two different waters. I've got a time frame uh, and I just want to catch some fish because I've had a abysmal year this year. Fishing sense and I just want to catch some fish. Um, what can I improve on? Baiting up. Preparation. 
Mm. Um, and I think that's the main thing I need to improve on, to be honest, is just get some spots going for myself and stick with them. Mm. I think you can shoot yourself in the foot, though, because you can, you know, go and bait a late regularly and then you get there. And of course, what do you want to do? You want to make a beeline for that spot that you've been baiting and putting your bait and your hard-earned money into. Mm-hmm. Yet there could be fish the other side of the lake getting their heads down. You could go around, just flick a rig out and, and have one out like that. So I think, yeah, you're right. But when you say and stick to it, I think, you know, there's potential to shoot yourself in the foot massively there, mate. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I could agree with you. I think, I don't know, I've got, a, in my head anyway, I've got an idea of <clears throat> where fish would be in different conditions at different parts of the lake. So rather than baiting just sort of one area, um, I've got a fairly good idea of where the fish are under different circumstances. Um, so it'd be baiting multiple spots, I guess, but just giving myself a chance. Do you know what I mean? Rather than getting there and flicking the rods out. Um, but for yourself, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think with baiting up, it, it always gives you an option, doesn't it? So let's say you have walked around, you genuinely can't see any fish. Um, that spot that you've been baiting that that is the natural go-to then isn't it um and obviously you know the idea is that the fish are going to frequent it um if you've been baiting there so yeah i get it um but for myself what what sorry what was the question goals for 2021 yeah just targets and anything new you want to try out and improve on um i don't think there's any it's just sound cheesy i don't think there's any targets other than just enjoy my fishing um as much as I can do. I'm getting to the point where like, I don't know, I'm the older I'm getting, the more I'm appreciating social aspect of life, but also my own company. I've always been good in my own company. You know that Pete, like I'm, I'm a solo guy a lot of the time. Um, and I'm still like that when I'm older. And I find that my tolerance for people is going down now. I'm getting older. I mean, I'm not that old. Um, but I find my tolerance is going down. But yet I also value those social moments where it doesn't have to be fishing. It's just there's a load of people together and you're just, you, you're just having a good time. There's something about that which I'm really starting to value. Um, so maybe I'd like to do a little bit more on the social side in uh, 2021 not just me and you maybe you know other people as well um so that would be a goal enjoy my fishing more and um yeah do you know what i'd really like i would like to get my i'd like to get a water where i've like i've got my teeth in it that is my water that is where all of my focus is i miss that because this Mm. year i've flitted around from place to place just because there's there's nothing that's really captivated me Uh, and i think i'm missing that captivation that passion i'm missing that from my angling you know before we with fish you know plenty of waters where we've just that's been our everything isn't it? like we've just been you know absolutely <laughs> besotted with that water you know i haven't had that for quite a while so if i could get that fantastic um but other than that yeah i just want to enjoy it just want to enjoy my fishing yeah and anything anything new you want to try out um 
never been with a black woman. Is that the kind of thing you mean? <laughs> there we go, Finn. That's your question answered. <laughs> um, and the next one on Facebook. So Steve sort of sent this through today. I don't think he intended it <clears throat> to be a question for the pod for the podcast, uh, but he's obviously been listen uh, been listening. Uh, for a while so first of all he said hi guys massive shout out to your to to you for a fantastic podcast that you host so first of all if steve wants to leave us a review on the itunes app uh we would be ever so grateful it really helps us out uh, and the question being uh, is about the fish sauce uh, and the salmigo liquids is it okay for rehydrating fruity or citrus feed baits or just fish meal boilies Uh, what's a citrus feed bait? Nash citrus. Is that what yeah, I guess so. Mm. Um, or um, if we're just talking like a bird food bait. Yes. A tutti fruity boily. Yeah, I mean, it's not the natural thing, is it? But I think a lot of that is um, ampro, anthropomorphic. I can't pronounce it. You know what I mean? What we think is right for animals. Um, the thing is, right, strawberries and ice cream might taste amazing to humans as a combination. It doesn't mean that's the case with carp. Um, so a lot of that stuff doesn't matter. I would say, as with anything regarding bet, you've got to try it. Like You have to try it. Certainly the Salmigo and squid brand fish sauce, which is something, which is my... He's, he's obviously listened to one of the podcasts where we've spoken about that. That combo is something I've used to great effect um generally i'd use that on a fish meal i'd also happily use it on a bird food no problem with that at all if it was you know a very highly flavored attractor style bait you know a simple base mix um you know with high level of flavor would i use it yeah i'm sure it'd work it wouldn't be the natural choice for me um but i'm sure it'd work you're, you're what you're doing you're just sparking a light in the carps chemo reception equipment that's all you're doing now. You, you, how many lights do you want to spark off? I, this is something I think about a lot, and I don't hear anyone talk about it. And I think, I think I tried to touch on this with Dean, but I think we went off on another tangent. Um, but how many lights do you want to hit off? You know, uh, different things will will stimulate a response from carp, but it will actually. Let's just use the lighting up analogy. It will light up a different part of their brain. Okay, so whilst um let's say certain certain amino acids will light up a part um esters might light up a different part um and so on and so on and so on right now how many of those different parts do you want to light up is it a case of the more parts that you light up the better i don't think it is um i i, I don't see why that would be um so I think that's that's something to, to think about. And I realize I'm kind of detract, detracting away from the question. Um, I guess what my answer is, give it a go. Uh, maybe it'll work great. Maybe it won't. It will definitely work on a more bland um, um, bird food or uh, milk protein type bait, you know, which isn't a high flavored type bait. Uh, and of course, it will definitely work on a fish meal. I think that's the best answer I can give, really. Yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. Um, it's not something I would sort of think of doing is to mix it with a sort of like a higher tract 
sort of boily because in my, in my head, my perception, it's just not something I'd do. What I can talk of experience before is I have used it with bird food baits. Um, so like a, a nut bait with a high yeast content I was using before and I've actually added yeast powder or powdered yeast um, to the fish sauce and used it with a bird food bait, which didn't have any sort of fish content within it, um, which I believe sort of gave me a little edge. Um, but yeah, just try it out, go for it. There's, there's no harm in trying, and especially with the squid brand fish sauce, if it if it doesn't work, you're not exactly losing anything. Um, it's very cost effective. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong. Um, Have you used the um, Salmigo yet, Pete? Yeah, I have done, mate. Yeah, not in, not extensively. Um, but I have used it. I've used it recently uh, with a fish mill boy that I've been using. Yeah. Um, not with the squid sauce. Um, it's been in conjunction with a, with a liquid, that's sort of like a matching liquid for the boilie. Um, yeah. Cool. Next question. Next question. So that's it for the Facebook questions, but I've got the Insta ones literally loading as we speak. Um, <clears throat> so this one's from Throwback Carp. The use of different lead systems and how to take advantage of it. Hmm. Do you want to go? Um, well, I can just, all I can do is talk about my fishing. Um, I, for me, I fish either like a helicopter setup or just a standard lead clip. Um, recently I've been really thinking about my presentation in stilt and I've really dropped the weight of the lead a lot um, so I've been fishing with sort of ones and one and a half ounces uh, in silty conditions uh, but that isn't really answering his question about the different lead systems um god it's a tricky one isn't it it's just it's, the trouble is it's a very i can give standard answers like for example if i'm stalking in the edge i'll use an inline so the fish is going to get the exact sort of like it'll pick up the like the full weight of the hook there and then uh, but i think that's all very sort of standard sort of like industry answers isn't it it's not really giving anything yeah for my personal fishing i think he probably wants out the box things doesn't he mm-hmm. um i'm the same as you like if i'm stalking in the edge and i'm putting on a hard gravel spot i've, I've mostly fished gravel pits in fact I only fish gravel pits um <coughs> excuse me just because that's all that's around here um then yeah I'll, I'll have a like big five six ounce inline lead and I fish that drop-off style. Um, that's what I'll use. Casting out, a lot of the time I'm using a, um, a helicopter rig. And I'll use that with the quarter lead drop-off heli-safe system, which is very, very good. Again, I'm fishing very weedy waters. I need to be dropping that lead um, just so it's, it, the fish come up in the in the water column and it's not snaring on weed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I've fished that a lot. Um, something that I actually used to fish pretty much exclusively um, right at the point where I was kind of, I was doing well without sounding like a dickhead. I was doing well everywhere, wasn't I, Pete? I was sort of quite, for quite a while, I was, I was just very, very, very on it. Um, 
Um, back then, most of the time, I used a running lead system. Um, and the way I used to do it for convenience is I used to use a lead clip, but I didn't. It, it was one of the, I think I used to use the Fox ones, which has got a hole running through the lead clip. And I didn't push the little peg in. Um, and I used to have that running on the line. And then I used to put a backstop around about. So if you think of that lead clips at the bottom of the leader, um, then you can obviously take the lead on and off easily because it's a clip, but it's still a running rig system. Um, I used to have a backstop depending on the water and depending on anywhere from three to, to 10 inches up. So it'd run for a little bit. So you'd get the benefits of the running and then it would hit the backstop to, you know, perhaps hook that, perhaps nail that hook home. I used to use that a lot. And I, uh, I'm not saying that's why I did well, but I was so in tune with my angling. And that was obviously what I felt was best for nine out of 10 scenarios. Kind of makes me wonder why I don't do that now. Um, you obviously remember me doing that, don't you, mate? I remember sort of like using a lead kit clip for a running lead. I don't remember the like the, the backstop bit. We spoke about this weirdly the other day, didn't we? Um, the other day? Yeah, I think when we met up for a social, possibly. Well, like three did, months ago. Yeah. It's all a blur. Is it that long, really? Yeah. No, the recent social, not the in the summertime. What, the one back in September? Was it? Yeah. Was it actually? Yes. No, it was not. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, it wasn't. It was, I don't know when it was. It would have been October, mate, because it would have been oh, during right, the then. week. Yeah, October half-time was the end of the... Yeah. Ah, only two months ago, then. Yeah, exactly. You have a day, mate. Lots happened since then. Um, yeah. Um, I do remember. I remember sort of at like the period in fishing when you were fishing sort of like a running... Lead, lead system and you were doing very well um, but yeah I think that sort of um, covers the question it's something a little bit different isn't it a little bit quirky yeah if it, if it was specific and we were talking about a certain scenario we, we could probably talk about it a lot more but it's, it's hard to it's hard to know which angle to take with that mm-hmm. to be honest isn't it yeah um, but hopefully we answer it for you um, next question yeah, so this is from Will Polhill. Um, so special hook baits, what to add? Special hook bait additives. Now, you did say earlier in the podcast that was one of your highlights of the year, mate. It's been tinkering with bait and hook baits in particular. So what are we saying, Sam? Well, are we going to break some news on this podcast or not, Pete? Yeah, why not? Because We haven't a... discussed this at all, actually, have we? So there's a reason why we we might not want to divulge everything isn't there so i don't know if i can answer this i mean look i've spoken about um a lot of what i was doing earlier on in the year and i've built upon that um there's a lot of standard things you can add to a hook bait which will make it very attractive what are the standard things um citric acid betaine you know, um, an essential oil, obviously something that we're, we're very much into. You can add these things and you can create a very good hook bait. Um, very good, which will outfish anything, any shit you'll buy in the, the tackle shop. Um, and a lot of, there's quite a few hook bait companies that will do that now. There's levels to it. 
there's other things you can do and add which will make your hook bait far superior. Does it mean you're going to chuck it out and guarantee a carp? No, it does not. But what it does mean is if you have it in the vicinity of a carp, you're going to greatly increase your chances of that carp wanting to pick it up if you take things to a whole new level. Um, that's something we've not really spoken about on this podcast. We don't want to give all of our edges away. Uh, and now we have even more reason not to give our edges away because we're actually going to bring out um, a couple of different recipes, a couple of different hook baits, and we're going to sell them to you guys, the listener. Uh, they will be very, very limited runs. So I think we're going to start with two different um hook baits we're probably only going to roll about 25 tubs of each so they'll be very exclusive we're not doing this to make a load of money the only reason that we are doing this is a a lot of people have asked us um and b it would be nice to fund this podcast um it's not cheap to run we make no money from it uh, we don't want to but it'd be nice to at least cover the costs so we've decided to um basically release a couple of hook bait recipes which are i don't i can't speak for pete he'll give his opinion in a minute i'm sure but i honestly think are better than anything else out on the market right now um maybe i'm wrong maybe maybe there's another hook bait company that, that that that's rolling something better uh i'm certainly not aware of it if that's the case pete do you want to add on to that at all what what are your what are your thoughts it's a funny thing isn't it because we never started this to to look to do anything like that it's, it's just kind of naturally happened isn't it yeah i think one of the things i was really conscious of is i just didn't want to turn it into you i think what's really refreshing about our podcast is we're just literally two mates chatting about our experiences fishing and i think bait's obviously a huge sort of passion of ours um but if there's a way that we can sort of cover the costs of the podcast um and if that weighs through doing something that we're passionate about, which is bait, and you guys are interested in buying a little bit of bait. I don't know. It's just, um, for, for me, it's just all about sort of um, covering the cost of the podcast because um, it sort of weighs heavily, more so in Sam's pocket than mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not, I mean, for example, just little things like when we're on that podcast with Dean and our, our subscription, to, uh, we, we were using Zoom run out. I think you left it in the podcast, didn't you? And you think you did it there and then live sort of repaid the subscription, which is something like 160 quid. Yeah. Um, just little things like that. And so to hosting do a run it. of, yeah, the host, well, the website hosting, the actual podcast hosting itself is very expensive in the scheme of, well, there's a proportion of our fees. Um, just to cover it would be nice. Yeah. And, and to be honest, the, the first run of hook baits, we're not going to, recoup all of our money because <clears throat> our hook baits are not cheap to no. uh, make and not only that mate neither of both of us sort of sort of work hard and we don't have a lot of time for for rolling bait and it is as we've said in the podcast before it's labor intensive isn't it but yeah there we go it's the it, actual it's literally the it will be the worst paid job ever for us because we we won't make everything back for the podcast we'll be at a loss but at least we're making something back um and as well as that i think there's i mean we message quite a few people don't we we're we're 
I think we're very helpful in the information that we give out to people that do message us back and forth. And um, I think there's a lot of people that would like to try our baits. <clears throat> and when we say baits, by the way, we're not talking about feed baits. We're literally just talking about hook baits. Um, we won't be rolling any, you know, boilies to feed on mass or anything. Yeah, I think to touch on the bit where you said about them being like the best on the market kind of thing or better than anything else on the market. I think that just literally for us, it stems down to confidence and that, and it's something that we've now done for years. Um, and it's just something that we'd sort of go to and it's tried and tested and yeah, like I'm saying, it's just, it's just a confidence thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's no hook bait I'd be more confident in than my own. And that's probably the same for anyone that rolls hook baits to be fair. Um, but Anyway, we don't want this to sound like it's a freaking advert for our hook baits. Um, they're not even available to buy it. If you are interested, then please let us know. As I said, we're only going to roll around 25, maybe even 20 pots of each um, version to begin with. And to be honest, we might only do it once or twice. This isn't going to be a regular thing. So if you do want them, uh, you know, feel free to, to send us a message and, and we can put you a pot behind. Um, so yeah, hard to answer William's question because we don't want to give all of our secret edges away. Um, <clears throat> yeah, don't know where to lead on from that. So the next question uh, from Kels Da, we've actually already covered it in the podcast, but he sent it in a question, funnily enough. Um, and that is people paying silly money for dead stock flavors, which are well past their best. Um, yeah, covered it. Exactly. It's ridiculous. To be honest with you, I see the flavor craze all over the all over the internet, and you see the crazy eBay sort of like final sale prices for a thing of like Hutchie Mulberry or whatever it may be. I didn't realize actually there was companies out there selling hook baits with them. Yeah, I got to oh, say yeah. that's new to me on this podcast. I've not I've not come across that. Um, I don't want to name and shame. As I said before, I don't want to shit on anyone. Um, and I'm not, by the way, it probably seems like we're now saying this because we're going to be selling some hook baits. That is not the case at all. Um, it's just nice. uh, old flavors. They denature, they oxidize. They're nowhere near as efficient as they once were. You know, they're absolutely worthless. Um, or, you know, or next to it, honestly, honestly. Um, but I bet they're selling some tubs of hook baits, mate. I bet they're selling lots. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's just not really the way to go, is it? Um, I don't want to name the companies, uh, you know, on here. I'll screenshot um, one that comes to mind. I'll send it to you, Pete, and you can see for yeah. yourself. So I guess um, more of a nostalgia thing, isn't it? I guess for some people. Yeah, I get it. Nothing wrong with that. I've got some Richworth Tutti Fruity flavor actually sat right next to me, mm -hmm. and I'll still smell it. And you know, I love. It. Yeah, it's just reminisce, don't you? I wouldn't dream of making some hook baits out of it and, and being confident in them, you know, or, or yeah, I'm sure it would catch, but I mean, they're as good as, uh, you know, as, as some other things that you could do. Um, so there we go. I've sent you a screenshot, um, Pete, and you'll see that, you know, it's not just one post. There's one, two, three, four, five, five posts just on one page on one, like scroll page of, of their account. Ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be confident in that. Um, next question, mate. 
Um, so I mean, I'll go through because I mean Wayne Birmingham. He's he's asked to said homemade hook baits again. We've covered it, but he's been kind enough to send us a question or a message. So I, was, I thought I'd give him a shout out there, but we've kind of covered that with our little plan to sell a few pots of hook baits to help fund the podcast. Um, Tivy has asked us, it's a bait again. Um, have you got any plans for bait, mate, for the new year? Bait in particular? Well, sorry, what's the question? Sorry. The question is just, he wants us to talk about bait again. So. Ah, oh yeah, the bait again guy. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I asked, I sent him a message and asked like, what, what about it specifically? Uh, and he just said anything on bait. <laughs> he likes it when we ramble on about bait. Um, do I have any plans for the bait I use, Pete? Is that what you asked me? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be using, uh, Kenny Gates, um, bait, bait asylum. I, do you know what? I'm in a weird situation where I don't really know if I'm supposed to be announcing this because I think he's, wow. Get the impression he's kind of select about who he, <laughs> who he sells his bait to. I don't think he wants it to be this big, huge thing. Um, he certainly doesn't have a Facebook page or a website or anything. You kind of have to get his number from someone um that that and they're okay you know kenny's okay if he's having a number of this this kind of thing Mm. um but yeah i'm I'm gonna be using his his bait i've been down to his factory a couple of times um i've been using his bait uh the guy is so freaking passionate it's unreal um I go away and my nostrils are on fire from all the different things I've been, you know, he's got me to smell. Um, he's just super passionate dude. So yeah, I'm going to be using that. Um, also actually, uh, full transparency, um, Dean Towie from this podcast, he's, um, he's sending me some bait. Um, that, in fact, I think he said he posted it off to me today. So I'll be trying his bait as well, which I mean, you know, that guy knows a lot about bait. That's for sure. Um, so I'm looking forward to trying his bait as well. Other than that, I mean, hook baits, I, I said, even ever since I started this podcast, I'm incredibly confident in my hook baits. And I remember one podcast, um, we were talking about baiting up and, and I was basically saying a lot of the time I will bait really heavily, way too heavy, purely because I want to drag the fish in. And I know once they're in the area, I'm that confident in my hook bait. Do you remember me saying that Pete? I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just, yeah. Um, obviously, I'll continue using those hook baits. Um, and yeah, and, and particles as well. Love fishing with particles, you know. Um, peanuts, prepare peanuts properly, obviously. And then, you know, let, let, them, uh, let them ripen a little bit. Supremely effective. Um, and other particles as well. So yeah, bait-wise, my plans continue what I'm doing using good quality baits good quality hook baits and, and properly prepared particles mm. and liquids. Obviously I'm you know, massive on my liquids, big into my liquids. Yeah, I've, off, mate. I've got a burning desire for sort of springtime to try and roll a bit of bait. Mm. And this boils down to the fact that our bait that we used to, the last bait we sort of mass produced for ourselves where we were rolling sort of, I don't know. I don't know. Just lots, plenty of, yeah, loads like of it. Ridiculous um, amounts of bait. <laughs> mm, um, yeah, the Marley. Yeah, which I'm incredibly fond of. And again, we've said it on the podcast before that contains the Nash Palatin Marley sort of spice oil. 
Um, and I think on some of your sort of ramblings the other day or through speaking to people, you come across the original supplier to Nash. Am I correct in thinking? Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that I could source that again, really just for nostalgia, I really want to put together sort of just a, a fish meal sort of bird food base with that, a spicy bait uh, with that as a, as a flavor label on it. Yeah, it's, well, we, yes, not to be confused with another um, Malaysian spice oil I've used, but yes, for that bait, we use the, um, the Malaysian spice palatant from Nash. Um, basically those old palatants, um, the strawberry oil was a good one. Um, tangerine was another one. I used to really like that tangerine oil. Um, you can get them from Catch It Labs. It's Catch It Labs, isn't it, Pete? Which is a play on the words from Catchum. Yeah. Um, the 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 old boy there, the, the the older guy. Not, I think the guy who's kind of at the forefront is Paul, but he's the son of the scientist, as as far as I understand. Um, he the the older guy was um, the um, the scientist for uh, at Nash Bay, and he previous to that, I believe, he worked alongside Rod Hutchinson. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, those oil palatants are available from Catch It Labs. Um, uh, they're producing some some pretty good stuff, actually. Am I correct in thinking all of their flavors are oil based? Not at all. No. No. Okay. No. No, they're not. False information right there. Fake news. <laughs> yeah, fake news. Some of them are. Um, they do the banana oil palatant, which is a good one. Um, no, a lot of their, their flavors are, you know, MPG or, or what have you. Okay. Um, or EA based. Yeah. yeah. Mate, I was convinced that you told me they were all oil based. Um, no. I don't know why. And I thought I'd just put that in here as a little bit of a subject to chat about. Uh, no. Yeah, not def- the case. I got that wrong. Definitely not. They've got a few oil-based flavors, but most of them aren't. Um, uh, but yeah, very, yeah, interesting company actually. Um, I'd definitely like to trial some some more of their, their bits and bobs. Yeah. Um, definitely. Sorry, you've um, I've lost my uh, my messages. Uh, so we're <clears throat> moving on. So this is from. 18 Molly Malloy, sorry, 78. Uh, winter fishing, not specifically winter baits, but anything winter related. So I'll take it from that. Have you got anything sort of little tips, winter hacks, anything you'd sort of, um, sort of would yeah, advise people to do? Um, yeah, I mean, as always, you know you got to find the fish. I know I say this all the time, but you do. Like you really do. You need to get that, you know, you, you need to have that as paramount importance. Find those fish. Get 10 minutes in the right spot, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's even more important in the winter because the carp aren't as nomadic or they're not always as nomadic. They generally hold up in a certain area. Uh, I mean, straight off the bat, don't neglect the shallows in the winter. Obviously, the obvious place is the shallows if it's sunny in the winter, because obviously the water's heating up, they want that heat. Doesn't always work like that. Even on overcast days, you know, don't neglect the shallows in winter, certainly. Um, it's all to do with the thermocline and it, it can actually be a warmer part of the lake. Um, 
So no matter what the web is doing, I mean, check the whole freaking lake, but, but don't neglect the shallows. Um, as well as that, if you're not finding them, it depends on the lake and I'm painting a very broad stroke here, but the middle of the lake, unless is unless it's particularly weird lake and it's very shallow in the middle or whatever you look in the middle of the lake, like a lot of the time that that is where they are. Um, it's difficult to say um, the, the lake I'm on at the minute, the deepest part of the lake is where the fish are. Now they're not down low, they're up higher um generally how it goes again i'm painting a broad stroke here is uh the bottom of the lake will generally speaking hold the the, the temperature for quite a while particularly if there's weed in there which will hold temperature um and then as as the the year kind of ticks on and we get deeper into winter that'll become colder and it'll be warmer a little bit higher up maybe in the upper third of the the lake uh, or the lower part of the upper third um so that'll change but yeah i mean to summarize, look at the shallows. Don't, don't neglect the shallows, you know, the middle of the lake. I know it sounds kind of like a bit dumbed down, but that that's often where they are. Um, and then obviously you've got to look at the layers. So let's say they are in the middle. Let's also say that's the deepest part of the lake. It's 12 foot. If they're four foot beneath the surface, there's no good, you know, whacking out a, a small 10 miller um, and thinking that you've got a winter tactic there because the, the the carp are you know a long way above it um obviously zigs would then come into their own um yeah i don't know it's, it, that, that, that's what i would say at, at face value have you got anything to add to that pete anything i missed no for me it's just i mean like you say location is hugely important um but i think a lot of it as well is is just um don't give them too much food I think if you're on the fish, they're, they're inquisitive creatures anyway. I don't think you need to give them a lot of food. You want them to pick up that hook bait. Yeah, but conversely, keep giving them food. Um, and this is, you know, well, I think it's widely known. You want to keep those fish feeding. So already by now, you should be keeping that bait going in that water every single week. If the carp keep on eating, they'll keep on eating i know it sounds ridiculous but if they don't eat for a while they'll hold up they'll get more lethargic um and they're obviously going to be harder to catch but if you keep them eating regularly they're going to be much easier to catch and you can keep them feeding all the way through the winter um but if you compare that to a lake which doesn't see any bait and all the naturals are dead those fish aren't going to be feeding and they kind of shut their metabolism and their movement down because they're not getting the food which is, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy, a vicious circle, if you like. Um, so yeah, keep the bait going in, but just keep little and often. That's really, really important. Yeah, so I think moving on, so I'll say the final oh, question. Oh, sorry. Oh. We should add to that bait. We should talk about bait. Go on. Uh, well, you've got to give them the right bait as well. You know, I don't... I. I like a lower protein if we're talking about boilies i like a lower protein lower fat bait in the winter let's just well we can get into the weeds with that if you want but i don't think that's the real question here but yeah that's ideal um but in terms of actual hook bait or the bait that, that you know you're presenting esters are very 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 interesting to me particularly in the winter 
um put a post up the other day um time to bring out the esters <laughs> and it is for my hook baits I'm, I'm now adding quite a few different esters um to my hook baits i have great faith in that i coincide that with you know the correct um essential oils um so yeah i think that side of attraction definitely changes in the winter uh their eyesight is obviously hampered as well it's it's not as good um so yeah i think you can do some interesting things with that you just got to be careful with it not to overdo it pretty sound advice mate um yeah again just it's it's what i sort of um fall back to uh but like you said like a low protein low fats i normally would increase sort of like a sugar content um yeah and essential oils as well i just they are fantastic can you remember the last time you rolled a bait without an essential oil in no no genuinely not like <sighs> honestly guys we, like essential oils i just i don't see myself rolling a bait without one in um i am that confident in them um i've been using them for years many years as has peter um just the more i use them the more bought into them i get to be honest yeah, i just thought that was worth saying i wonder how many baits commercial baits are out there without an essential oil shed loads you think oh yeah mm. essential oils are not widely used in commercial baits you see i can't talk about that because i honestly don't know but that just boggles me that they wouldn't be because they're just not only are they a fantastic ingredient they're relatively cost effective some are some aren't but you can get bloody good essential oil that's cost effective you know and it's only improving things yeah unfortunately we use we use some cheap ones in our baits that we'll be releasing our baits, but you, you, you know, you don't have to spend loads on an essential oil to get a good effective essential oil. Um, black pepper essential oil. They, there's, they vary quite a bit on the market. Uh, I've tested quite a few and, and some of them are a lot better than others, but black pepper essential oil, it's a cheap essential oil. Um, you know, go ahead and use it. Different types of cinnamon essential oil, you know, freaking deadly in winter. Uh, cinnamon leaf essential oil, you know, which is higher in the usual content. Um, you know, use that. It's not that expensive. There's many different essential oils. We've spoke about this at length. Um, but no, I really do not think, well, in fact, I kind of have it on very good authority. I know quite a lot of bait companies that, that definitely don't use essential oils. Mm. Um, and I don't know why very, very cost effective way to make the bait much more effective. Now in the same respect, there are some very good bait companies that do use essential oils. Um, they works both ways, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah. When we had Sean on and he was talking about his, well, his bait company quest baits, he was saying he can't remember the last time he produced a bait without an essential oil. Um, Dean's obviously a big advocate for them. So the other sort of real bait head we've had on the podcast. Um, I don't remember Sean saying that about essential oils. I think he said he doesn't remember the last time he rolled a fish meal bait, wasn't it? No, no. He said he's never, never rolled a fish meal bait, but he, he did say in our first podcast that he can't remember the last time he rolled a bait without an essential oil in it. Right. Um, 
Yeah, fair enough. <clears throat> yeah, and that I think would lead us then into our last question, um, which was from Where Cracking. Um, you mentioned, but never went into it, that carp can see in UV. Can you expand, please? Now, carp biology is probably something I could improve my knowledge on. I certainly probably wouldn't be able to expand on it. But I think you've got some some thoughts on that. Am I right, Sam? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I think next time we have Dean on, Dean Towie, um, this is what he's going to be talking about largely. So I'll probably save it for that. But can they see UV rays? Is that the question? It's just, I'm guessing it's in the spectrum. Is that the question? Is he asking if they can see UV rays? Uh, it, the exact question, mate, is you mentioned but never went into it that carp can see in UV. Yeah. I believe they can see UV rays, mm -hmm. if that's what he's asking. I've got nothing to add to that. I've got absolutely nothing to add to that. Carp biology is not my strong point. Um, yeah. So, certainly eyesight, anyway. Um it, it, there's some interesting papers on on what the cones in their eyes can can pick up. Um, Ken Townley's written about it a bit. Dean's written about it as well. There's also some white papers on it that I've read before. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily up to date on it. Um, and to be honest, Dean is going to be able to speak on that subject with much more authority than I could um, of of what carp can see color wise mm -hmm. i think their vision is very interesting um bit of a believer that they see very different to us i think um oils that can seem effective not essential oils because they're a little bit different but using other oils that you know rise off a of bait that the carp can perhaps see that in a different way than we would mm -hmm. um so i think there's some interesting things there um yeah i think carp's vision is is extremely interesting I think there's probably a bit of mileage in it. And I think if you understand it fully, you can probably use it to your advantage. Um, but as I said, probably better off saving that one for Dean um, because he's much more clued into that particular thing than I am. Um, does that sound fair? Is that, is that fair enough? I think that's good. And it's sort of, um, hopefully we'll, we'll get him back on and everyone yeah. enjoy. Yeah. Listen we'll to it. We'll get him back on for sure. He's he's keen to come back on. Um, so yeah, cool. There, so there, was, there was one more mate, um, which was from Fishing Duda thirty six, um, and the question was baiting approach to a heavy wild water. I believe you've sort of had a little bit of back and forth with him, sort of asking him to expand a bit on the question. I did, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, this guy's from America, America. Um, so he's basically fishing, you know, big old waters. Um, in the water he's fishing is 1,600 acres, um, which is bigger than anything I've fished. The biggest I've fished is 900-odd acres. Um, and it actually had quite a few carp in it, so a bit of a different thing. But he's saying, <clears throat> basically, he's, he doesn't struggle catching, um, but he wants us to, to talk about how we would go about baiting that kind of water. He reading between like he wants to get amongst the bigger fish um he wants to know how he should bait up to, to catch the bigger fish how he should go about it basically um that's basically it in a nutshell 
Um, mm. Pete, do you want to speak on this or, or do, you want, do you want me to go? I think with with something like that, I, I can assume, I mean, these are not pressured fish, are they? These are fish that haven't been caught before. And I can imagine, for example, in America, he's probably fishing something like maize. Um, it's probably fair to say, and you can probably bait quite heavy with it. And I imagine you can catch fish after fish once you get a shoal of fish sort of come onto your spot. Um, picking up the bigger fish, I think you can really sort of start looking at some sort of donkey choker hook baits. Um, so I don't honestly, I know the American carp scene is nothing like what it is in the UK. Um, so I don't know how much accessibility he's got to boilies and then I guess sort of like big boilies, 20 mil plus. Um, but my approach would be to do something a little bit different. Um, bigger baits, probably a bigger separation um, between your hook bait and the hook. Um, I know sort of like the old adage, the tactic of sort of uh, leaving your hook bait just off the baited spot to pick out the bigger fish. But I think that's probably more akin to your sort of more pressured, uh, riggy sort of um, like English fish. I don't know if that would be the same sort of thing he's facing there, over there in the States. Um, what are your thoughts, Sam? Oh, there's loads on this I, I could talk about. I mean, it's first of all, I think you got to find the areas of that lake that the big carp will be because they won't necessarily be everywhere, although they might be. Generally, in my experience, um, yeah, carp can be very nomadic, particularly on the bigger waters. Um, but then you might be fishing an area where the bigger fish, excuse me, burping, where the bigger fish either never are or they don't feed so do your homework you i mean it's a big old water you've got to do laps you've got to be looking you've got to be finding the fish you basically need to find these bigger fish now i know that is a daunting task and it's hard work you're going to reap the rewards if you do so first off make sure that you're fishing in an area where the bigger fish reside and they feed massively important i cannot stress that enough Let's presume you're in an area where the bigger fish reside or you know they've been caught from before or you've seen whatever. I mean, a lot of the time we'll get picked up by the smaller, we'll make our hook bait very, very attractive and we're going to get picked up by the smaller, a little bit more frantically feeding fish. Um, so sometimes actually having a bait that isn't as attractive, as odd as that sounds, if you want to catch the bigger fish, uh, generally that can be good because a lot of time you'll get the smaller fish steam in, mop a load up, and then the bigger fish will, will come in. Um, now, conversely, look, the big fish are big for a reason. Maybe it's just because they're very old or maybe it's because they eat a lot of food. So, you know, don't discount having a load of food and, and baiting heavily for them. Um, generally speaking, load of boilies, big boilies, it tends to catch the bigger fish i think it certainly can be the pace there's this caveats to all of that there's be someone listening saying oh yeah but i caught this on some you know hemp yeah, of course you fucking did but generally speaking i'm painting some broad strokes right um bait heavy um have a bait off of the baited area uh i've done that for freaking years and um you know obviously i'm no big carp legend but i think i'm okay at catching the bigger fish and a lot of time i'll catch the bigger fish 
a rod length or two off of the baited spot. They kind of hang around. You can go a step further than that and look at their patrol routes. You'll often find that fish will go in, swim out, and then go back into an area that, on the same route. Not always, but but you can see these patterns develop. If you get lucky enough to see that pattern develop, you can put a hook bait on that patrol route, um, perhaps where they're coming back in to the baited spot would be a good one. Uh, and you can pick fish off like that. Again, it takes a lot of watching. But the thing is, where do you want your work to be done? Do you want your work to be done by, you know, countless hours watching the water, climbing trees, and then figure it out. And then you know exactly the way you can do it. Or do you want it to be figured out by sat behind rods and it's just fucking guesswork. So yeah, keep watching. Um, oh no, I felt like my thoughts are running away myself on a bit of a rant here. I can't remember where I was up to, but yeah, it's difficult to say. You've got to find what works for that water. Um, Obviously, you know, do do the common sense thing, you know, speak to some people that have caught the bigger fish, ask them about it, you know, don't be disrespectful, but tap them up for better. See if there's anything out of the box that, that kind of strikes you as being like, Oh wow. I didn't expect that. Um, and just watch what's going on and go outside the box and don't afraid don't be afraid to have your rod way off the spot don't be afraid to have a big bait on there um you know don't be afraid to have two 25 mil boilies on there um you know hopefully the little 10 pounders will spit that out and and um you, you know you'll hook into the you know the 30s or 40s or 50s or whatever it is your water carries um don't know if I've made sense there. I feel like I've been ranting for a while. Yeah, buddy, that's that has rounded up our questions. Um, I, d- I don't know where we go from there. Did you want to go into a little little quick fire? Yeah, we'll do quick fire. Um, so, little quick fire list. You got to pick basically from this list. I'm going to ask you 17 quest- questions. Uh, maybe some more if I think of them kind of on the job. You have to pick one forevermore. So you can only use one and not the other for the mm-hmm. rest of your angling. Okay. Number one, fish meal or non-fish meal? Bait. Fish meal. Fish meal. Big leads or small leads? Uh, small leads. No Polaroids or no photos of your captures? No photos. Definitely. Big pits or lakes under three acres? I'm going to say lakes under three acres. Ooh. Rods, nine footers or 12 footers? I already know this one. Nine footers. Underarm casting or overhead? Underarm. UK 50 or European record? UK 50. Only socials or only solos? God. So phew, solos probably, only solos. Mm, that sounds makes me really really antisocial, but yeah, yeah. Only fish for carp, or never fish for carp. As in, you can fish for other species. I would honestly, mate, probably say only fish for carp. Mm-hmm. Single sticks or buzz bars. Single sticks. Leave them in the net, use a retaining sling, or sack them up. Which one? Forevermore, leave mm. them in the net. Okay. 
Weekends or midweek? Midweek. Braid or mono? Mono. Syndicates or clubs? Uh, syndicate, probably. Zigs or floater? Floater. Essential oil or flavor? Essential oil. Biggest edge in your cart fishing? Damn. Um... Oh, dude. Okay, my biggest edge is probably bait knowledge. Hmm. Boom. Modest as well, eh? Well, no, but it's the most thing I'm most interested in, and it's the most thing I'll take care about, so why not go yeah, for it? Definitely. Definitely, mate. Good. Yeah. Where would you fit with those, mate? I'm guessing... All right, I'm going to answer these for you, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. Go on. So, uh, fish mill, non fish mill. I'd say fish mill for me. Go, yeah, mm. big lead or small lead. You'd go big lead, no Polaroids or no photos. You'd go no photos, uh, big pits or lakes under three acres. I think you probably would have said lakes under three acres before you moved away, but now you'd say big pits. God, uh, you know me well. <laughs> yeah, 12 foot rods over nines, um, overhead cast. Uh, you'd go for a UK 50, probably solos for the rest of your life because you're lonely and miserable. <laughs> That's me, mate. That's savage. Um, fish for carp or never fish for carp again. I'd say fish for carp, single sticks over buzz bars. Um, whew, leave them in the net. Midweek, you'd go braid. Your biggest edge in fishing damn i don't know i don't know what you'd consider but i would look at your fishing and probably say again maybe bait um syndicates or clubs syndicates you'd go floater over zig and you'd go essential oil over flavor and your biggest um that was it isn't it yeah yeah you got them all right except for the uh i wouldn't do floaters over zigs no i would feed floaters and have a zig just under the surface cheaty cheaty yeah sneaky but clever mate yeah but you know you you got me bang on mate actually on all of those yeah god am i that predictable <laughs> yeah mate too much time spent together on the bank that's the trouble maybe maybe should we finish off with i mean well actually are we are we finishing off is there anything else you want to add I don't think so, mate. We've, we've, we've certainly put a good amount of time together, haven't we? Definitely. I hope it's been of interest to people. It's a bit of a new format for us, being a little bit more, not scripted, but we've got the topics laid out. Um, Shall we finish on what we're really grateful for from this year? Yeah, we can finish on that, and then maybe we can say what we'd like from the podcast in 2021. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Go on then. So for the podcast in 2021, personally, I'd like to guest wise, get some more bait heads on the podcast. Uh, I really think our, well, we know our audience um, really appreciate our bait talk. Um, and I just think that's probably a little niche that we can sort of go into. And I think it'd be of real interest to people and myself and you keep the fire burning, keep us passionate about it. Um, to have a little bit more bait content with guys who 
sort of can add some decent content and know their stuff. Definitely. Yes, I I agree with you. Yeah, that would be really, really good. Um, apart from that, I don't think we've got any goals with the podcast, have we? Really, we don't, we don't really know what we want from it. Um, it's obviously never going to be a living for, for us or anything like that. It's, it's, a, it's a hobby thing. Um, I think my goal is is to, to keep the content regular. I want it to be regular. I want it to be, you know, of good quality. I don't want to just churn out crap for the sake of it. Um, but yeah, just get some, just get some good guests on and just have conversations, which really make you think, wow, hang on a minute. I mean, there's, there's been a few topics from guests before and it's really got me thinking. And I think anytime you can get thinking and expand your mind and get a new slot on your angling, that's just fantastic, isn't it? Um, so I'd like to have more of those chats with guests and yourself, Pete, mm. because to be honest, Perhaps me and you haven't gone into the, you know, super deep weeds on on certain subjects together. I think we probably could, mate. Um, and lastly, another goal <laughs> of uh, 2021 is to record a podcast in the flesh together. I think that has to happen. <laughs> Maybe. We tried before. It just doesn't work, does it? Too well. Usually yeah. too pissed by that time. It just gets immature, mate. Unless people want to have our immature side. <laughs> I don't know if they do. <laughs> Probably not. No. no. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, dear. Um, and what was your question? Sorry. Uh, what What are you most grateful for this year? In 2020? Yeah. Oh, do you know what, mate? Uh, I'm going to say the health of my family. Uh, especially given the circumstances and my friends and family, I don't know anybody really who's been affected by the virus. I guess I'm lucky because I'm in Cornwall and we've had an incredibly low infection rate, but that would have to be it. You're going to tell me now it's just fishing related, aren't you? Yeah, you went in quite heavy there, didn't you? Um, yeah, I did. Just fishing or podcast related, mate. <laughs> I'm grateful for you, Sam. What a co-host. <laughs> thanks mate that's all right uh, do you know what i was gonna say actually um i'm grateful for this podcast I, i've quite enjoyed it we we set it up probably thought it would fizzle out after a while but it hasn't um i'm grateful for it i enjoy it and uh yeah it's pretty much it perfect i'll tell you what mate i am busting for a shit so <laughs> should we round it up i think we should mate yeah, yeah. that's it Thanks ever so much for uh, sticking with us through 2020. The next time you hear from us, it will be 2021. So if you're listening to this uh, before Christmas or around the Christmas period, Merry Christmas, have a lovely time, spend the time with your loved ones, you know, make the most of it, be present to the moment, enjoy it all. And we will see you in 2021. Thanks so much. You're going to say goodbye? Goodbye, guys. Bye, guys. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> Cheers. Mate, you're so philosophical. I know, mate. I know. Yeah. Mm.